This week on the One Cast, we're joined by elite Sears angler Matty Wong. We're going to talk about his journey from the Aloha State to to the mainland to to fish the Bassmaster elites, and uh, I don't know what else we'll get into. So that's a good one. That's a good. One. Oh god, it's a toad. It's a toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's gonna be a bad day. What is going on, OneCast fans? My brain was moving faster than my mouth in that little uh, teaser, so I apologize for stumbling there a little bit, but glad to be back. Glad to have Ben and Trey both in studio. Mm-hmm. We're all here again. Uh, no vacations to speak of for the foreseeable future, so we'll, hopefully we can uh, maintain all three of us. Uh, as always, we're going to start with that plug for OneCast Fishing. Head over to OneCastFishing.com. Use the code the OneCast at checkout. Uh, save 10%, check out the snagless jigs, long neck hooks, and the weedless neds. Uh, we have another partnership. Uh, we're pretty not going to announce it until September 1st, right? But I think we're all pretty excited about it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's uh, going to give you all an opportunity to get some sweet gear. There might be some teasers and some of our social media stuff if you're following us. Uh, keep an eye out on that, and if you figure it out, uh, you, you know you might have a little inside track. But we're going to announce that officially uh, for our September 1st episode. We'll start teasing a little bit about that though here in the near future. Guys, anything you want to talk about or mention before we bring Maddie on? You got anything, Ben? No, I don't. That's- if, if you're watching this, obviously, Maddie Wong from the Aloha State, man, uh, Ben and I are wearing some Hawaiian shirts mm-hmm. uh, because it's an honor to have him on. So we're really super excited to have that. You're going to want to stay tuned because uh, you're going to learn about this angler's journey all along the way. And uh, with, for, without further ado, let's bring him on. All right, let's do it. Hey, Matty hey, Wong. Wong. Hey, we, we we really need to get an applause button there. Oh, we do. See here, you know which one it is. Um, I'm gonna have to like. It's not like your typical iPhone where you got to scroll. Like you actually have to do buttons. So I got to rewind back to the mid '90s to figure this out. But, um, yeah. hey man, welcome What's to up, the OneCast, guys? dude. We appreciate you jumping on with us. For sure. Thanks for having me, man. I, I absolutely. Always, uh, fun to talk fishing and 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 talk industry and talk life yeah right so speaking Sweet. of fishing and industry man like uh i know before we started the show um we talked about something that was pretty uh iconic that happened over the last couple of days you want to you want to walk us through that oh man mr kevin van dam right yeah. like uh you know i it's interesting because he's saying that he's retiring, right? And th- this is just all speculation. And, and, and this this is just me. I'm just and like, this is go ahead. Go ahead. Let's hear what you say. Cause I think we agree. Okay. So this is, this is all speculation. This is, has nothing like, no, this is based off of zero, like, uh, you know, truths or whatever. This is all just my personal opinion. Um, well, one with, and this goes without saying Kevin Van Dam is one of the greatest bass fishermen to have ever graced this earth. One, two, I've been a massive KVD fan and I'm sure a lot of us have for a very long time. Um, do I believe that he is fully retiring? No, I don't think so. I think that this is a way for him to make an outro from MLF. And then honestly, Oh gosh, I might get in trouble for saying it. <laughs> he wants hey, I've been saying it. I've been yeah, saying yeah, it. We, yeah. I, I dude, I think he wants to come back to bass, man. Yep. And um and and I think I I 
I don't know what's I honestly like I don't I haven't talked to Bass about I don't like you know I'm not, I don't dig for this kind of stuff but it just it makes too much sense um, for someone that of his age who's been doing it for so long that's already committed to it and has so much stature has so much uh, just incredible experience in the sport um, for him to like fully want to hang it up. But if he does, and this is really what he wants to do, I also respect it too, because yeah. anyone who's done it at the level that KVD has done it. And, and now for myself speaking from experience, it is one of the hardest jobs that I've ever done. Um, and it, it, when it comes to just, yeah, the people are like, yeah, you fish for a living. And I'm like, like, I'm a professional truck driver that fishes on occasion, you know? Like, <laughs> I like that actually. That's, That's good. good. It's good. Yeah. And, and, um, and the occasion just has to be like, ha- happens to be like 60 to 70 hours a week at times. And, and yep. when you're standing all day and your, your hands are bleeding, your sunburnt, you're, you're dehydrated. Um, I don't eat too much when I'm on the boat. So I've been trying to find ways to like trick myself either way. It's a very, very, tiring um time consuming uh sport and and career um and a tremendous amount of sacrifice that i think a lot of people and i know myself i didn't like personally i really didn't know the amount of sacrifices that it would take to actually make it to the elites and and actually fish on tour um because when i was you know in like 26 2016 2017 where it was just a complete pipe dream uh and i was like man that would that would actually be incredible you know to 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 drive around the country and fish all these incredible like hyped up fisheries and and now doing it for the past two years i can tell you it's it's definitely not what like what's <laughs> projected not what out here. In our heads. <laughs> yeah it's definitely not it you know mm-hmm. and, and and it's funny because um one of my, um, and we can, we'll, we'll go more into it, but either way, I, I had talked to some guys that have fished the elites and, um, there's, there's this, and there, there's a guy that I asked him, I was like, Hey, so like, if you were to requalify again, would you do it? And he told me straight, he's like, no, like yeah. no way, no way in hell. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I, and this is before I had joined. So I was so confused because obviously this is, this has been a dream of mine for, for a bit and, and not, not forever. Uh, I'll share with you guys like my lifelong dream that I've had ever since I was eight years old. Um, and, uh, but it's, it was a dream long enough where I'm like, well, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, then whatever. Cause I'm still going to strive for my other goals and other dreams. Right. But, um, yeah. And I was like, wait, why? And he's like, dude, it steals time from you that you can never get back. Yep. And that was such an impactful statement to me. And, um, and he wasn't the only person, you know, to have said that now talking to a few people, um, you know, Mr. Uh, Mark Menendez, who's an incredible angler, super decorated um, and an incredibly nice guy. Uh, I was talking to him at the beginning of the year. We were both getting our boats wrapped up at the same place up in uh, northern Alabama. And he had told me, he's, I'm like, what's like, what would you say would be the hardest part? And he says, the time away from my family and my kids. Yep. And, uh, that? Go ahead. and that, that hit me hard, you know? And, um, and unless you, you basically have the type of 
capital to like buy a fifth wheeler and your wife is, you know, on board of full time being, a, yeah. a, you know, a homeschooling your kids and then you guys do it like that. Um, you're, you're gone mm-hmm. a lot. And, uh, and a lot of times you, you just, you end up missing out on a lot of stuff and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of things. Um, but on the flip side, it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I appreciate you talking about that. Cause we had Destin Demarion on who, who fished the elites previously, previously, you know, is fishing the EQs now. And that was, we really kind of delved into that. Like, do you have what it takes? Do you really understand what it takes to, to fish at that level? And that's what he went into. Like when his daughter was born, he was at a tournament, like his wife went to labor. He had to leave his truck and boat at somebody's house that he knew and jump on a plane, fly home for three days, meet his daughter, see her born, and then fly right back out to jump in his truck and drive to the next tournament. Like people don't think about that. And, and until I got around fishing, and I think Trey and Ben can probably, like, we all felt like, man, if you just make it, like, you're set. You just fish. That's all you do. And it's yeah. not, it's a business. Like you, you have to do shows, you have to do stuff for your, sponsors all of that and you know we'll, we might get into some of that we might not we'll see where the conversation goes but i appreciate sure. you kind of leading with that because anybody all of our listeners out there our viewers all of that they understand like one of the things we try to highlight is there's a way to get into the fishing industry and in the outdoor space without yeah. being a professional angler or 100%. you know chasing that dream so yeah. just to see that little bit of insight and and for you to have that that knowledge going into like there's guys that have made it and are like, I don't think I'd go back. And, and I know guys that have fished at that level and have said the same thing. Like, I just want to fish a classic. If I requalify, I don't know if I would go back honestly, because it is a grind. You're constantly fighting for sponsors and, and making sure that's funded and short of the, the one person I always talk about, it's like the 1% of the 1% that are actually making a living and have their wives and kids with them. Like you said, with the, the campers and all that, it's you're away from your family that whole time. And it's tough. Just, I mean, just for, um, I mean, I mean, just to, I guess, also tell you guys, uh, I, I don't have a place right now and in general, like, I don't, um, like, I, I don't, I don't go, I don't get to go home to Hawaii until the end of the season. Um, I, I was living in California before and I got rid of my apartment there, um, and I literally packed everything that I can fit into my boat and my truck. And I didn't have a camper my first year. So I literally was packing stuff under the cover of my boat. And mm. that's how I travel. And uh, I being when people are like, dude, you're living the dream. I'm like, you get to sleep in your bed at night. You know? <laughs> I don't have a bed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like I, I I have a really comfy inflatable mattress, and um, you know it's it, it's been an in, incredible journey so far, and uh, definitely a wild adventure. And it's 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 so uh, constant the work that I have to do that if I if I'm not documenting it, it literally just falls to the wayside. Of like, did that even happen? Like it, it feels like a dream that you wake up from that was so vivid, and you're you're like. Well, you like remember like certain subtle things about it that are just so vivid and like so detailed and then everything else is gone. Mm, that's <laughs> crazy. Cause you have so, like, yeah. So, um, I want to finish out the, the KVD thing. I know we started. Oh yeah. yeah. Sorry. We like said, no, no, like, no, yeah, no, you're good. Not- <laughs> no, no, you're good. Cause we want to, we want to go down your journey, um, from start to 
start till now, but I, you yeah. know, in your opinion, would you submit that every single one of the anglers on tour? I, I think so. Like, you know, let me rewind here. A lot of kids or uh -huh. a lot of, or a lot of adults, even when they look at what you guys are doing, they think like, they think it's like, it's the perfect setup. Like the grass is always greener on the other side, but each one of you guys, each one of us, we're all cut from a different fabric. And some people are extremely hardwired to instantly jump into that game. And then some you're rewiring yourselves And in KVD uh, was one of the people that I always looked at. It's like he was designed at birth for something yeah. like this. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like he came out of the womb with a bait caster and well, probably a spinning rod because he's from Kalamazoo, but he came out re regardless <laughs> ready, to get, ready to catch some smallmouth. And it's interesting, man, like being from Kalamazoo, like that is the only name that you hear when it comes to fishing. It's the only name that you hear. Like yeah. my aunt taught the entire Van Dam family uh, in school and she knows them and she doesn't even follow fishing, but she knows all of Kevin's, uh, you know, accolades and things like that. But wow. it is interesting to kind of look at each angler as we should and take a holi holistic approach and be like, man, that person's cut from this cloth. They're cut from this. And so yeah. when it comes to wiring an angler, you get to see it firsthand, like who was born for it and who yeah. had to uh, kind of, you know, evolve into it. Make so I'm going to make an assumption, Maddie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tournament angling in Hawaii probably wasn't a big thing, right? Like, oh yeah, heard the Hawaiian classic. <laughs> <laughs> so, did Kevin play a role, like in your, in your dream or in your view of like, hey, this is what tournament fishing is? Like, did you grow up? Uh, I guess you know we've talked about Kevin. How did how did tournament fishing kind of get into your blood or into your space, being in Hawaii and kind of separated from it? So, I mean. Uh, being a kid growing up in the 90s right you had you didn't have internet really internet was like in, in its infant stage yep. uh we didn't have tackle warehouse you had the bass pro shop magazine catalog yeah yep. that was like the size of the yellow book and like yellow pages <laughs> and like oh, yeah. and uh you had to go in like find you know oh c43 on page 575 and like mm -hmm. write in your order to get like a pack of flukes and yep. uh for all you kids <laughs> listening like life is yep. easy compared to like the yep. way we had to order baits before but and I'm, you had to I'm, fill what? out the form or you had to call the 800 number what's like. a jitterbug <laughs> yeah well so I, yeah um and i don't want to get off topic but um yeah it's it's interesting because in Hawaii, we never, they, they do it now. It's, it's called Hawaii, uh, the Hawaiian, uh, Hawaii freshwater fishing association, HFFA. They now do, uh, like local dirt, uh, tournaments and stuff on Lake Wilson, which is my home Lake. Uh, and that's okay. on the Island of Oahu in Wahiwa. And, um, I, uh, I was lucky enough to grow up with, um, some of the, like the founding members and they, you know, my uncle Lance would take me fishing when I was, I don't know, like six, like I caught my first peacock bass with him. Like he would, I remember he like flip into a, like a bed with a jig and like Jack one and give me the rod. And I'm like, oh, you know, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, then, and then I learned like when I, I would watch him throw a bait caster, I'm like, I want to learn how to throw Like, so I learned how to throw a bait caster at like six or seven, you know, right after. And, 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 but ever since then I was like, I was two years old with a bamboo rod in my hand with my dad catching tilapia. You know, mm -hmm. uh, we were, I was, 
I'm completely eaten up by angling. And, and to say that I'm, I'm someone who only loves bass fishing is a complete lie. Uh, I grew up free diving uh, in the ocean. I, I, I know how to deep sea fish. I know how to, to, to vertical jig. I know how to fly fish. Um, I, I don't know how to center pin or spade cast, but I'm, I'm not bad with uh, a fly rod. Um, and I, I just, all these different types of fishing fascinate me because of, of, of the, the journey, right? And so for me, when I moved to California, it was 2013. I was 24. I didn't have any, like, I, I was still living at home because I was going to college. And, and my dad had made a deal with me. And he's like, you know, you can still live at home as long as you're going to school. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to see how long I can put this. <laughs> and so it, it basically got to the point where, it, so at the time I was playing saxophone for a living and, and doing voiceovers and, and, and acting on local like TV shows and whatnot. And, um, uh, uh, I, I, I had a friend, uh, that was in this touring band called shiny toy guns, which was like this, like electro pop, like band that used to do warp tour and stuff like that. Oh, see, and, I've heard the band name before. Yeah. Yeah. So like, uh, her name was Cicely treasure and, uh, she's like, Hey, why don't you move out to LA? And I'm like, ah, nah, I'm good. Like I got surf. I got warm water. I got good food. I got everything mm -hmm. here. Uh, she's like, no, like you should do it. Like if this is what you're passionate and you should try it. And so I said, okay. So in 2012, I saved up 10 grand. I was I was doing four different jobs. I was parking cars. I was teaching surfing. I was playing music and I was doing like acting and voiceover stuff. And I hustled up, I bought a car, um, saved 10 grand, bought a one-way ticket and I sent it to California. And so when I was in California, hustling through a bunch of different things, right, trying to figure out how I was going to make rent for the, 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 the next, you know, the next month or, or just trying to, like, basically figure out life. Um, I noticed that there was a couple ponds in, in, in and around Los Angeles. And this is actually you guys are actually the first the first podcast that I'm disclosing this to because this is really kind of like a unique um a very unique part of my story that I, I, I've just, I've realized that I've been missing out on, on, a, on a lot of, um, you know, just telling people about mm -hmm. like how, how I basically got really back into bass fishing and whatnot. Cause I grew up doing it when I was a little kid, you know, like I, I, and I, I learned how to Texas rig a fluke, you know, at, at in fishing on a bed, I learned how to throw a bait caster, all these things. But after going through and being like in the entertainment industry and whatnot, I had kind of fallen away from it. And I, I, I had still had like a spinning rod combo that I would go down to the beach and go throw like a cast master to try and catch like surf perch or something. But yeah. I didn't have that drive. Like I didn't have that like hunger inside of me. That was like, bro, all I want to do every single day is fish or like, all I want to do is like, I'm just thinking about it. And I remember it was a, a, a friend of mine that was on set with me and he's like, um, Hey, I'm going to go to the LA river and I'm going to use this. Uh, I've been catching carp on a fly rod and I'm like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, like dumpster dolphins. And I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> so like, uh, all right. And he's like, dude, it's incredibly hard. Like if you can catch a carp on a fly rod, like you can, you can, 
catch anything literally. And I was like, all right, why not? And so like I went for an entire week and I got skunked and I, I couldn't, I throwing conventional gear and casting gear my whole life. I, I couldn't understand the concept of keeping a tempo when, with bat, bat casting a fly rod, like actually mm-hmm. casting the line and then, and whatnot. And I just spent so much time doing it and I finally stuck one and it was like 12 or 15 pounds on like a little five weight, like tiny little fly mm. rod that thing whooped my butt. And I was just like, bro, this is so sick. Like obsessed mm. with it, but go down there all the time, whatever. At the time I was dating this girl that was from San Jose, which was five and a half hours North. She lived like about an hour from the California Delta mm-hmm. and, uh, we would go up and we would visit her family. I had never been in a Bass Pro Shop my whole life. I had never seen a Bass Pro Shop. And I'd ordered from the magazine, like the just catalog, just, like you're talking just about the catalog. Yeah, just the catalog. But I just, I, I would just hear stories or like see like the ads on, on TV where like you walk in and there's like a, a giant tank or whatever and all, and just rows and rows of tackle. And so I walk into this Bass Pro Shop because I just, I, it was a bucket list, basically a fisherman's Disneyland. Mm-hmm. go in there and i start talking to this guy there and he's like uh well well like what are you what are you looking to get and i'm like i don't know like I, it'd be cool to get like <laughs> another combo like I, I i think you know there's a couple ponds near my house you know i think yeah. uh, it'd be fun you know because I, I i i've been getting into fly fishing and i'm like all right but then and then the dumpster dolphins kind of got old a little bit but i'm like okay i know there's i know there's ponds around LA and I know there's a bunch of cool little like lakes and whatnot. And everyone knows the story of Dottie down South in San yeah, Diego. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm living now in this Mecca of bass fishing. So like, why not take advantage of it? Like my uncle Bob, who was my dad's best friend in college was my bass guru my whole life. He was the first guy to send me a pack of uh, flukes when I was like 10 and teach me how to, to Texas rig them and tell me how to, to fish them. And, and so around the same time, right. He, well, let me finish up the Bass Pro story. He goes, all right, here's this rod. Here's this like spinning combo. And he, you should get like uh four EWGs. And I'm like, okay, I know what that is. He's like, and get a pack of five inch Senkos. And I was like, what's a Senko? <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is, this is 2015. 2015. Wow. I was about to ask, was that 13 still? No, that's 2015. 20- wow. 2015, 24, like 2014, 2015. I didn't know what a Senko was. So I, I had stopped fishing for bass from the time that a Senko and a chatterbait had come out. So I had no yeah. clue what a chatterbait was and I had no clue what a Senko was. And so he's like, bro, here, buy this and buy this. I'm like, okay. And I remember I went to the, the pond right behind the bass pro shop and I just like feathered through a, like a weightless Sanko and like, and caught like a two and a half pounder. I was like, bro, this is sick. I'm super hooked again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and so I would just go to the ponds, whatever. And, and, and then it, it just slowly became for me this therapy that yeah. in working in Hollywood in Los Angeles, doing the fast paced life traffic every day, celebrities, publicists, managers, craziness, the only quiet that I had was when I would go and fish. And even when growing up being a surfer, like I surfed my whole life, I used to surf competitions and whatnot. I would go out in the, the lineups in California and get frustrated. And I would just, if anything, it would just make me more anxious and pissed because the culture is different in California versus right, where, yeah. where I grew up in Hawaii. 
like people drop in on you and don't think of anything of it. And for me, that's a huge thing of like disrespect. And, and so it was just really frustrating. So for me, fishing became this, like this, this kind of like temple in a way of being able to like fully relax, fully kind of, kind of tap back into nature and, and be able to be outdoors and kind of like let the, the loud noise of the city dissipate. And, uh, I remember it was around the same time uh, Todd Klein, who's a, a local hammer uh, in Southern California. He's also um, was surf commentator for a really long time, and also the, the 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 team manager of Electric Sunglasses. He goes, he's um he's like, yeah, I made like forty five grand last year just being a co, um, you know, fishing, you know, the ML. Or I I think it was like the Toyota series at a time or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm like. You made 45 G's like as a coal, like fishing off the back of a boat. Like, wait, what? The? And so that was the first time that it really clicked in my head that, oh, wow, you can actually make money doing this. Mm. And and I being a very competitive person, I played sports my whole life, played. This is funny. Played competitive paintball, played hockey, uh, surfed. Uh, I've a bunch of different, you know, played soccer. Um but like that was that was so interesting to me because i'm like okay wow i can i can now i can take my two passions of being a competitive jerk sometimes and then fishing <laughs> and, like, and hopefully and try yeah. to like make money you know and uh and from there so and then this is where you know if, if you guys know my story um and if you don't my my uncle bob that i had told you guys about briefly mm-hmm. was my dad's, my dad's best friend in 2015 he was diagnosed with a brain tumor and by t- the end of 2016, he had passed away. I was, I was the last person to take him fishing. And um, that was really hard for my family because for, for me, he was closer than a lot of my blood uncles. And so my uncle Bob was kind of like, he was always, he was, he was like my family that I had in California, even though I didn't have any family in California. Mm-hmm. Um, and around the same time, I was having a really tough time in Hollywood, like in living in Los Angeles. I was living like basically in the ghetto at the time. Uh, there was like drive-bys every week. There was like um, I was going from gig to gig, hopefully like trying to make a, uh, a check. And and I remember um, I was thinking about moving home and just guiding on Lake Wilson. And uh, I asked his wife, I'm like, hey, what do you uh, end up doing with Uncle Bob's boat? And he had a 1990 364 old Ranger with a 150 Yamaha on it and um, a little black and white graph and a small little uh, six inch Lawrence up at the front. And uh, she goes, well, I just put it on consignment. um, But I know that uncle would, would want you to have it. And I'm like, how much do you want for it? And, uh, She's like, I don't know, like five grand. And I'm like, checks in the mail. Like without even like thinking twice of it. I'm like, holy crap. I just, did I just buy a bass boat? You know, like it's yeah, yeah. something that was like such a, a, a tragic moment in my life um, where, you know, I always, I'm always the person that always tries to see something positive, even out of the most like unfortunate situations. And so for me, that was like a gift from my uncle, you know? That was like him saying, you know, like, hey, 
go and do your thing with this boat and, and, and try and go and experience certain things with this boat. And so I, I spent the next two years up on the Delta. Basically I was still living in Los Angeles. I didn't have a, I didn't have a truck to even tow the thing. I was borrowing my, my ex-girlfriend's dad's truck. And cause he's, he was like, I don't even use the truck, bro. You can take it whenever you want and like, go. And I'm like, all right, sweet. And so I would literally drive up. I would stay at her house at her parents' house. I would take his truck and fish the Delta every day for five days straight. If like, uh, if I didn't have work for that week and I would be there from sun up to sundown, learn how to flip grass, learn how to punch, learn how to frog, learn how to throw a Senko correctly, learn how to th- like just do a whole <laughs> bunch of like different techniques. Right. And, um, around that same time, I told myself that, um, I didn't want to, I wanted to start competing, but I didn't want to start donating. So yeah, yeah. I told myself, okay, your goal, if you can get like anywhere from 16 to 20 pounds, every time you go out in the Delta, you'll be ready to start jumping in tournaments. And I got to this point where I was starting to get pretty consistent. And again, this is literally without side scope or uh, side scan. This is before active target or a live scope. Um, and this is just learning how to fish grass essentially. And, how'd you um, um how'd you go about learning all those you know those different techniques that you probably weren't used to after getting the boat so around this time uh there was a handful of guys doing like very very consistent youtube mm-hmm. and um and so it was matt allen and tim little yeah yep. and uh and then you had like a couple other guys that were up on the Delta and it was very specific. It was very like, for me, it was like, my focus was, I want to learn the Delta because one, I understand tides because of being an ocean fisherman growing up in Hawaii. But two, I wanted to learn how to fish grass because we didn't have grass. And so taking stuff that I was learning online also um, when I would see, when I would see people out on the water, I, I would always I always wave and, and then sometimes just get in conversations with, with, with people. And I remember this one guy that was like, uh, like an amateur pro at the time. And I watched him with like six rods on his deck. And I, I was like, Hey man, like this might sound weird. Um, do you mind just taking a couple photos of me? Like with these fish, I, I had like a couple four pounders. It wasn't even like anything special, but for me, that was like a, like I had a great day, you know? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, dude, no problem. Better. Like he had a nice boat and everything. And I'm like in my busted ass Ranger, you know, and <laughs> so I take a photo and he's like, you fishing a stretch. And I'm like, um, yeah, yeah, I was, but like, I mean, do you mind if I just like kind of watch you fish it, you know, like, because again i didn't know that really you can i i didn't want to jump into tournaments yet but i wanted to yeah. see how someone would approach it who had tournament experience and he's like yeah dude no problem like come yeah follow me and like and we had a couple mutual friends which was kind of cool like the more i talked to him he's like oh yeah you know alex from like coyote tech i'm like yeah Da-da-da-da. like it, it was just like a, it, it reminded me of the surfing world where it was just really small and kind of connected so that was yeah. that was really mm-hmm. cool and so he, he, he basically taught me how to flip hydrilla this day, taught me how to like, how to follow it up when you're, when you're actually going up to a certain lane, like what to do into the lane before you go and you flip the grass, like how to maximize your time and your f- efficiency when fishing around certain structures. And so that was like, a, that was a huge like piece. 
And that was one of many, many times that that had happened to me up on the Delta and in general. Mm -hmm. And um, so in 2017, that girl and I broke up. And so this was about two years of having a boat up on the Delta. It was the end of 2017. I knew that one, now I got to buy a truck. Yeah, you guys did. (laughs) (laughs) And and two, now I got to bring this boat down to Los Angeles. And um, because now I felt pretty confident fishing a shallow water tidal grass fishery, the next thing to learn was a Highland Reservoir that's Mm -hmm. crystal clear. So Castaic was about an hour away from where I lived. I found a place to, to park my boat, and that's exactly where it actually still lives. And uh, I started dedicating my time to Castaic. And uh, I, about halfway through 2018, I did a simple Google search, like how to competitive bass fish, like such a new. I like it. 2018. That was know, that was it. before Chat GPT. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm like, I'm like, you know, and then so the, the first thing that pops up is like, oh, um, you know, start at a club level. I think it was like, I, I think it was like Chris Saldane or something talking about how he had gotten started. Um, and he actually worked at Coyote Bait and Tackle up in San Jose and like knew some of the, the homies. And, and so Chris was one of the guys that I looked up to for, for a while as well. Like being also like, because Chris, ha- Chris is half Filipino even though he won't really like, you know, and so I'm being half Chinese, like being a Hapa guy, which means half in Hawaiian. It's like, Oh, cool. All right. There's more of us inside in in bass fishing or whatever. But, (laughs) and so uh, I basically with this Google search, I found that, okay, the Ventura County bass club is a bass nation affiliated uh, club. And that all I had to do was sign up and then I can start fishing uh, like local club derbs. Um, I, I, I shot an email to the president at the time, um, Mark Torres, um, chief rest, rest in peace, buddy. Um, and, uh, he's, he, he was a guy that was like, yeah, Hey, come on in. Well, you know, we'll have, uh, you can, you can fish as our guest at the mm-hmm. next club tournament we're having at Castaic in a week. And so I was like, well, I have a boat. Like, like I, I'd love to, you know, fish for my boat. He's like, yeah, there's no problem. Do you mind if one of our club members jump on? Because the way that like California works is you have certain lakes that are completely locked up with quagga. And so you're only able to fish that one lake. So like a lot, half of the guys in Ventura have their boat locked in the Casitas because it's like a half, it's like a month long quarantine process. It's like a big pain in the butt. So either way, this guy jumps on my boat because I'm fishing Castaic and, uh, and I ended up winning the tournament and uh, it was my first real like club derb and at, at the front of the boat. And, um, and these guys were like, what the hell? Like, When did you tell them that you spent every day out there for like six months? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, well, I think that a couple of them had seen me out there. Yeah. Okay. You know, and so they 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 weren't like because you see guys out there all the time, but you don't yeah. know you know their skill level or whatever. And and so I for me it was I was I was really really getting into neko rigging, which was kind of like just starting to come like come out in in the states more. And then the uh, finesse 
you know, real finesse drop shot, like five, four pound tests, finesse drop shot. Um, and then a couple other techniques as well. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that was basically it. And then one of the guys in the club, his name's Jason Hemminger, um, who almost won nationals, I think back in like 2003 or something like that. Um, but he's, he was, he's like, he's like the, he's like the old rusty guy there. That's just like, Oh yeah. All you need is like, like margarita mutilator in like a, like a four inch worm. And like, that's all you need. Like everything else is stupid. Like, you know, he, yeah. and I, everyone has those guys, right. And they're Every club's got that everyone, guy. If everyone. you come to North Carolina, it's a shaky head. Shaky yeah. head. You like, shaky all, you head. Need, Black all you need is a, a spot remover and, and trick worm. Anything else yeah. is stupid. <laughs> yep. yep. That's right. And so like, I, <laughs> see, everyone has that like everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but this guy, Jason, he's, he was able to kind of like keep me, like catch me up to get me up to speed with all these kind of uh, they're, they're all like in a way fallacies. Right. So it's like, all you need is this, all you need is this. And so I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. Tell me all I need. And then from there, I'm going to do something completely different. Yeah. But I'm also going to take that and try to learn it, try to figure out that bite. And most of the time it would work, but it would there that would also open the door for me to like tweak it a little bit uh, to to be able to manipulate that technique enough where I'm like, oh, this actually fits my style really well. That, and that so, actually that hits me very um, strongly there because you know every you know I started bass fishing like oh what's this technique I want to go try this technique but to from the outset to be like I'm going to avoid that or tweak it in such a manner that no one else is using it. I mean, I mean that your mindset they're going into that it's you think different when it comes to bass fishing. Yeah, I mean it's it's easy to monkey see, monkey do, right? Yeah, because it's that's that's the input that we are, and and as humans, that's how we learn, right? We we see something and we try to replicate it, uh, and, but a lot of times people don't imply their own imagination, mm-hmm. and it's something that's so magical and so special. And every single person has it. It's just the ability to actually unlock it is the hardest part. Because when you have people, not to say that Jason's a horrible person, because like he's like he's awesome guy. I love Jason. But he's he's the guy that's like, no, that's stupid. I don't like color worms, dumb, stupid worm. <laughs> Green <laughs> pumpkin, what is that? No, he literally talks like this. So anyone who knows him will be able to like die laughing because he's just like all he does is slam. Like course lights all day, stupid. stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, the mountains are always blue, aren't they? <laughs> always blue for Jason. Yeah. But like this guy's like he's he's a hammer though. He's a hammer. He he wins a lot of the club derbs. He like almost all the club derbs. He wins a lot of the local tournaments up there. So he has reason for like his own you know his own things. But um, yeah, to to be able to break free of that of that cage that people set on you is is really important. So it, it's it it's it's hard, but if you're able to silence the voices of negativity, you can actually unlock certain things that we have within ourselves to like blow the doors open and figure out a new technique or a way to rig something else that you're like, holy crap, I wouldn't even never thought about that. Like for me, like the uh, one of my buddies like when when the the yamamoto twin t- uh twin tail grub was out mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. he's like oh um take the ends the very tips of the twin tail grub and and just rub the very tips of them 
And I'm like, what, what does that do? He's like, everything's embedded with salt. And I'm like, okay. So I do it. And I'm like, wow. It completely lightened up the color. Like you, it's like, it looked like you chartreuse dipped it, but it's not chartreuse dip. And I'm like, whoa. And he's like, yeah. And so this is before, like, obviously before block it, like came out and started like, you know, saying a bunch of stuff or like, uh, uh, re- releasing a bunch of like techniques or, or little tricks. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I was like, Oh wow. I can actually, I can manipulate the, the soft plastic in a way that will change the float rate or the sink rate that will change mm-hmm. the presentation. And so it, that was kind of like the first, like, Oh my, Oh wow. Like this is, and th- this is why it's, it's bass fishing so addictive to, to many mm-hmm. of us is because like, there's no, I mean, there's rules, but there's not bass can't read, you know? Right. So when, you know, and, and so it's, it, I don't know, it's kind of neat. Cause you can freestyle and in a way, like for me, what I was telling you guys earlier, being a saxophonist, like that's the favorite, that's my favorite way to play music is to play by ear. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I, I can read music, but I'm not the greatest of reading charts, but when someone's playing like a really fun backing track or, or like a song that I really get with, I'm like, I'm just going to just feel it and go with it. And bass fishing is the same way. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, basically from there, um, back to the story, sorry, giant tangents guys. Um, no, you're good. You're, like, you're, you're everybody fine. wants to hear you. They don't want to hear us. Yeah. They hear us all the time. <laughs> well, um, so, so this is when Jason goes, Hey, you know that if you fish the bass nation, um, if you win the thing, you can fish the classic. And I was like, dude, shut up. And he's like, no, triple swear. Like you, if you, if you fit, if you win the bass nation, you can't break a triple swear. You can break a double swear. So you I was going to say, what's a triple swear. Yeah. Triple swear. So okay, the, I got it. So can't break a triple swear. So if someone triple swears you, you're like, dang, he's like really telling the truth. Um, <laughs> so like, he's like, yeah, you, you can fish. You'll, if you, if you make it through, it's a long road, but if you can make it through the qualifiers for your state, you can, and then you make it to regionals and then you basically need to win regionals for your state. And then you qualify for the nationals and then you have to win nationals. Like you can't just like, then you can fish the elites and you can fish the classic. And I was like, Holy smokes. Like now, for me, it was, it was the first, realistic pathway because being from the west coast i don't care what anyone says if you're trying to do the the, the opens from the west coast yeah. yep you're high yep you're, you're you're either um someone who's incredibly uh blessed with um unlimited supply of money and you can basically just throw away 100 grand at least mm-hmm. to chase the opens from the West Coast, because mm-hmm. the closest derb that comes to the West Coast, which I think is the, the Southern, mm-hmm. is like maybe that, maybe 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 some places in Texas. Yeah, uh, probably Texas. Yeah. Be tech. Yeah, and they haven't gone to West Texas in years. Yeah, so it's it's literally and 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 I. I don't want to say impossible, but it's pretty darn. It's pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah, probability to, is low. The probability is extremely low because the way the West Coast fishes, the way that California fishes, I'll tell, I will just say this, and anyone who fishes California will agree with me. It fishes completely different from the rest of the country. Yes, there's certain things, there's certain techniques that will cross over, and that um, 
and whatnot. But I think the the thing that I've learned and which which has given myself and a lot of different anglers that come east uh, an, an advantage is that we have to adapt to so many different types of conditions. Not only being able to fish highland reservoirs, being able to fish desert uh, desert lakes and reservoirs, being able to fish shallow uh, shallow grass fisheries to tidal fisheries, from throwing four pound test finesse neckle rigs down in 50 feet of water to slinging a 12 inch glide bait. Like I, it's things that I've learned all on the West coast. Now to say that a lot of those things doesn't really translate to the rest of the country because <laughs> I would be like crushing it right now. <laughs> and and I've, I've, I've learned to actually simplify my fishing now being on the elites for, you know, almost two years now. And a lot of things that that I would use in Cal- in California um, now I, I don't even use now on, on tour. Why, why do you think that is maybe um, why it is so different and there's such a variation and maybe techniques out there than then um, I mean, maybe it's people want to use them just as simple know. as that or the, maybe the, the fish is are, are the fish just different. It's funny because I, I had had a conversation with one of the guys on tour and he's like, bro, like this, the, some of the, the sneaky stuff that we do on the West Coast, it goes right over their heads the rest of the country. He's like, you don't need to throw a five pound test. And I was like, wait, what? So I, and I'm not, I'm not kidding. You're like Castaic, if you try to drop shot with eight, you're not going to get bit. Really? And like eight pound test is like, if you're, if you're fishing Castaic, you talk to any of the guys that fish Castaic on the regular, that's rope. Like there's no way like guys are fishing eight, like Casitas, Castaic and pyramid. Most guys drop shot with six. And then a lot of the tournament guys drop shot with five. And then some of us will drop shot with four when the bike, when the bike gets tough and you're not using anything more than eighth ounce weight. If you use a quarter ounce, it's not going to work. It's not happening. Like it is such a finesse technique. And then to learn out here that you can go and bomb a drop, uh, a bomb, a small mouth in the head with a three quarter ounce weight, and, and yeah. put, a, put a like a any type of flatworm thing in their face and they chomp it it's like it's frustrating because <laughs> it's frustrating because it's easy <laughs> the fish are so, stu- so stupid right small and it's funny you mentioned about the three quarters because i get asked growing up up north that I, I grew up you know fishing for smallmouth and i have guys down here ask me all the time like well what do you use when you're small like drop shot for smallmouth and i'm like I don't know, eight pound test, three quarter ounce weight, and just chuck it out there. And they're like, three quarter ounce. I'm like, a small mouth doesn't care they don't how care. much weight, how fast that thing comes zipping by their face. Just get it to the bottom as quick as you can, give her two twitches, and it's going to inhale it. Like, yes, and it's just the way that they are. And, and you know, it's crazy because, you know, Pete's used, and, and you too, Trey, you're used to fishing small mouth up north. So you're using drop shots and stuff. I don't have a lot of smallmouth experience, but where I do is like the White River system, Bull Shoals, Table Rock area, and then yeah. you can go out there on a point and catch them on a crankbait and a three-quarter ounce jig, yeah. dragging yeah. on the bottom like you would. Um, the bait's different in those two places. I think has a lot to do with yeah. that, but you know, it's sure. it is different how everything's. You know, you just move around the country and the fish will it, just operate. It's kind of crazy having you talk about castaic and stuff because when I think of castaic, I think about all those guys throwing giant glide baits because that's kind of what you hear: castaic and clear. And so you think big line, like big bait to hear, like needing to go down to four pound test and really finesse. Yeah. It's so not have, what I would think, you know, you have the complete opposites of the spectrum, right? So you have 
yes, you can go and throw a glide there, but the amount of people that want to go out and be Butch Brown and throw a 250 around with like what an 18, 20 pound test, like mm -hmm. he knows that lake like the back of his hand. And what he's able to do is so incredible that it's it, you, you can't really replicate it. You know, guys will go and throw a 250 and go catch a 15 pound striper. But to go out and actually catch like an eight, like even an eight pound largemouth there right now is an absolute trophy. I mean, I, and that's a whole another rabbit hole we can get into. But um, this striper, I feel like really ruined that place. There is, I mean, back in the day, there was 20 pounders caught out there. They would yeah. live, they would free line crayfish and, and like water dogs and catch 20 pound bass out of Keste. Like um, you, you can look back in the record books. It was Kestaic, um, Casitas. Lake Dixon mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm. a, and a, a like a couple other a couple other places I think it, yep. yeah but like that's and there's there's a few places that still have teeners but I feel like that's more more like NorCal now um, mm -hmm. and uh, Central Coast and whatnot but it's it's nuts to see now that I've had to like thinking I'm like oh okay let me let me try and do this like finesse deal da da da, da like like what are you doing throwing eight pound tests in Florida? Like they, <laughs> like they don't care, you know, like in yeah. my head, like it was just like, I, I remember it was like the first tournament I broke one off in the, in the, in the trees because I was just like, I was skipping like eight pound tests because I was like, I just want to get the bite. And then after I get the bite, I'll worry about landing the fish. And I've learned that like, geez, most of the country dude, they'll eat 20. Yeah. And, and, and they don't care. Most of the time they don't care. As long as you make the right presentation, like now I'm drop shotting for small mouth, like eight and 10 pound tests. Yeah. Like yep. I'll use Sunline FC leader and it's incredible stuff. And I, and that's just what I use now. Yes. Once in a while I'll go down to six, but then I'm like, whoo, all right, loosen up the drag, you know, like, <laughs> here we go, boys. Like we're, we're in for a ride, but most of the time you don't need to do that. And so it's, it was, it's been a really big learning experience and a giant learning curve. Um, Cause I mean, and you guys being in North Carolina, like you guys talking about the shaky head, I never threw a shaky head in California. That's something that a lot of guys don't do. Yeah. Maybe some of the guys that fish like the spotted bass lakes, like the little sled heads are like a deal. Um, it, it's mm -hmm. there's like really subtle things. Uh, one of the guys that was on tour from the West coast, um, and I'm blanking on his name right now and it'll pop up to me in a little bit, but, um, he, he's, he, he's like the master of shaky head fishing on the West coast. Um, and, uh, I never really did it. And so fishing brush piles is also another thing you don't really get to do because you can't be on the lake at 10 o'clock at night, sinking out cane piles <laughs> like you can in like yeah. fishing Hartwell, you know? Yeah. And so I've learned the power of a shaky head and how incredibly important it is to, to be able to have confidence throwing something like that. And then also like something simple, like a Texas rig where yeah. it's, it depends on the type of uh, the part of the country that you're in, that could be a dying technique or something that you don't yeah. do as much, but it gets bit everywhere. I know so, such, such a stupid technique, but it no, works. The stupidest right. technique in the world is a wacky rig. I don't yeah, care who yeah. wants to get mad and argue. That is the dumbest <laughs> yeah. thing ever, but it works. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. The Ned it's, rig, too. That's another Well, the, the, the Ned rig's probably the most frustrating. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it, it gets, again, it gets bit. It just depends yeah. on what you can, what you can bring yourself to do 
and I love that. I know Ben loves yeah, them. See, I'll fish it in. Well, offshore here is fifteen twenty foot. I'll fish them in brush piles offshore because we get the, like the weedless that. one. The weedless and, one. Yeah. And I, I it took, catches them, dude. I took a guy out with me, a neighbor. You know, he's mostly a bank fisherman. Uh -huh. Um. Well, he's got his boat, but he mostly fishes on the bank. He's not a he, um, older gentleman, so he's not up to speed on the electronics. Let's put it that way. And, uh -huh. I was like, uh, you know, I was like, yeah, we're going to go offshore, probably drag some jigs and stuff around. So he brought his heavy stuff and yeah. we weren't getting bit. And yeah, there was a, there was a, I saw the brush pile on live scope and just flipped in there in a six pounder. Yeah. On right. a turd. On a, on a little, yeah. on, a, on a turd. A little, little TRD. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the thing, like elephants eat peanuts, right? So go on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. You, you talked like, so you won your first tournament. That was 2018. Anka yeah. State. Yep. And then, you know, we got a little bit into, so we know you made it, obviously. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll, when, I'll, let's I'll go, go through that year, like yeah. through the, the nations, because that's, yeah. you know, not a lot of people have that story. And I think it's really sure. cool. Okay. Um, yeah. Sorry. Again, got off track. No, no you're good. good. That's dude. why we free flow, man. We told you before we started recording, like we free flow. So you're yeah. good. I love it. Um, all right. So going back. So this is, this is actually, it's 2018, right? I win my first club tournament. I start fishing with these guys. I start learning from all these guys that have been doing it for 30, 40 years. I start learning from guys like Jason. I start learning from guys like Chief, and and, and the list goes on and on. Um, still in, in taking a lot of stuff from YouTube and whatnot. And I started, um, Jason was like, hey, you know, you can fish this like Bass Nation deal, da 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 But what I think you should do is I think you should fish it as a co first. Learn the new lakes that you're going to go to because they're going to go to the Delta, but then they're also going to go to like Nasameno. They're going to go to like New Malones. They're going to go to all these other like lakes that I've never been to, Pine Flat. And they're going to, and you're going to learn how to fish for these certain things. Like I never fished for like a spotted, I, I fished with my uncle Bob for a spotted bass like on Lake Berryessa when I was like 12. And I don't remember anything doing it except for I was drop shotting in 60 feet of water. <laughs> like, yeah. And so I, I was like, all right, well, let me, I'll do that. Sure. I get, this is coming off from fishing the Delta from my, the front of the boat for the past couple of years and then fishing Castaic for, you know, half a year, like really intensely to now jumping on the back of these random guys boats on a random draw. And I start getting my butt kicked. And I was like, what's going on? I know I know how to fish, but why can't I catch them behind these guys? And I realized I was trying to power fish from behind the boat. And so it was a very important lesson that I had to learn. It, and, and I'm glad I learned it very early in my career was that the importance of slowing down, one, and the importance of finesse techniques and also not doing the same thing that the last guy just did. And... So I, that first year was 2019. I came in second to last, I think, in the standings out of like 30 guys that would fish the, the nation deal. And I remember the last event was on the Delta. I drew this old man um, and he's we, we still like talk on, on, on Facebook and whatnot. He's like the nicest guy, but he was like, I think he's like 86. 80, I think he was like 80, like 81, like a old, old, old guy. Like, like we, we take off and his alarm starts going off and I'm like, 
hey, you you hear that? He's like, what? And I'm like, bro, I'm like, dude, this your alarm's going off, but he's just like, I wasn't doing that yesterday. And I'm like, we should we should come off pad, you know, like your alarm's going off. And he's just like, Oh, it's fine. We'll just, we're going to send it to Sycamore. And I'm like, <laughs> send it. I'm like, I love it. Sycamore seven miles away, dude. Like, I don't think we should, like we basically make it all the way to Sycamore slew. And we were launching a BMW on the Delta, which is like a heck of a run. We get there. His boat goes into guardian mode. And, um, <laughs> I'm troubleshooting with his son, who's a uh, Mercury mechanic on like, cause this guy can't take the cowling off. So I'm like, I take the cowling off. I'm like taking apart his carb. I'm making sure that there's no like water in the field, all this stuff. I missed the entire bite window. Like I missed the whole tide change. I miss just everything. He's out there like just dragging around a Sanko, just like manages to pick off a couple and I don't, I think I weighed like one fish or something like that. I was like, you know what? This is the last time that I'm going to just, cause I had to rent the, you know, rent the hotel. I had to drive up, take work time off from work, da, 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 all this stuff. And I'm like, this was so frustrating. Like I could have done better in my own boat again, like for in my head, like I had the confidence that I was like, bro, I would not have made that decision. And I would have done X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, oh, that's never happening again. So in 2020, I decided, screw it. I'm going to fish it from the front of my boat. I know I don't have an active target. I know I don't got 360. I know I don't got side scan, but I, I do have intuition. So let's just see what happens. 2019, I also spent the entire year in my off time when I wasn't fishing the Bass Nation stuff, fishing local ponds in Los Angeles learning how to throw glide baits um, and learning how to throw bigger boot tails and bigger swim baits and trying to get confidence in it and like understand how pressured fisheries and pressured fish still will react to a, a big size bait. I mean, you can see this is just some, yeah. Of, my yeah. here. So, some of it very, very scarce yeah. amount, but to get a bait that's, you know, like eight inches in front of a fish that's feeding up on trout, they're going to want to commit to something like this than something that's four or three just yeah. because of it just means a lot less work for something that's going to fulfill them for so much longer. So that leads us to our very first qualifier. This is on pine flat in February, which is typically a, a, a spotted bass fishery and a couple of giant largemouth in there. So during practice, I figure I figure out that these guys are eating the swim bait. And, um, I, I managed to get a couple like decent spots, you know, everyone else is drop shotting. There is one other guy throwing glides and I, I found a drop shot bite out in 65 feet. I was literally 2Ding them and it was like a wacky rig. Um, I think we we're, I was whacking a, uh, like a, like a trick, um, either way. Like it was like, worm? Yeah, like a trick worm, but it was basically a super pintail worm. And I was like, as long as you wackied it and you just dead sticked it, like you would you would see the, the thing come in, drop it down to them, dead stick it, and then they would eat it after like 30 seconds to a minute. Like you had to like you wow. like you couldn't you couldn't just drop down to them and eat it. They you had to dead stick it and leave it there because they would just go down nose in on it and just look at it forever. And you just see that <laughs> little line just like right there with your drop shot, and you're like Oh my gosh, this is so frustrating. And um, so either way, first first day of the tournament, um, we had 
incredible swim bait conditions. It was super, super windy. It was nasty overcast. And I had found this place, this place on Google earth that I was like, I didn't practice it, but I, I, I had found this end part of this long stretch. There was two giants that lived on it that I pulled off with my glide. I was like, okay, I'm going to start short of this stretch and work my way up to it. And I had a super slow boat and a really late boat number. I'm like, well, if someone's there, someone's there. And if not, it's just whatever. I'm going to just, I'll, I'll figure it out. Lo and behold, no one's there. I, I pull the trolling motor and I start working my way up paralleling. I'm throwing, I'm throwing, um, a mag draft, mm -hmm. catch a two pounder. I'm like, sick. That's a solid one. Like we're, we're talking about like pound and a quarter spots are good, good spots. So I catch yeah. a two pound okay. spot and I'm like, sick. Okay. That's a good one. Literally in my next cast, I hook an eight pound largemouth. Mm. <laughs> you hook caught, or you caught? I hook it and it's, I, I'm like cranking on it. The thing comes up and just wallows. And my co's like, oh my God. And <laughs> so I get it to the boat. He nets it. He's like, bro, you just won the derb. <laughs> and this is a two day event, mind you. But the average bag that was weighed in during this event was seven pounds. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I had a two pounder and eight. I ended up catching another two. And my bag for day one, I think, was 16 pounds. Wow. The local hammer up there, this guy named Timmy Wells, is like the Wells family, incredible anglers, good people. Um, he's like, he's the guy that he's the guy to be. And so day one, he's I knew that he was gonna have a good one because he just knows where they all live. And I was like, Well, did you get him, Timmy? And he's like, Yeah, like I got a six. I was like, Oh, sick, dude. Like, good job, you know. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> what do you got? He's like probably like 14. And like this is and so it's like it's without a doubt, like Timmy's like always leading it. Like he's he's the guy, right? And he's like, oh I'm like, nah, I, I got an eight. And he's like, What? He was like so pissed. He like runs up in my boat. He's like, let me see this thing, like opens my live well, right? And I'm just like watching him. I'm like, dude, go. I don't care. You know, he like reaches in, he's just like, bro, what the and I was like, what's up, dude? <laughs> <laughs> and these are guys and these are guys that really didn't give me time of day the previous year as a co because mm -hmm. when you're fishing from behind the boat people don't really like give you that respect right because it's like oh yeah, he's, right. some, he's some kid he's learning da, 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 da. but it was the first time that they had given me recognition so i led day one it was like the first time that a lot of guys even came up and even introduced themselves to me and day two i went out i i managed to catch a limit um, but it wasn't as big as I wanted. I ended up, um, I ended up losing. I, I came in second place to Timmy and, um, he ended up like catching a bigger one and, and, and whatnot, but either way, great points for qualifiers. So I'm like sitting in like second place for the AOI. Next one was going to be at Lake Nasimeno. Go out to Lake Nasimeno. I figure out um, they're eating bluegill. Everyone else thought that they were going to be eating shad. So everyone's on main lake stuff. I find that in the very back of a muddy creek, there's a ton of bluegill that's up. And if I threw a chatterbait and stroked it, like if I threw it up on dry land, popped it in and stroked it like a jig, they would eat it. And they were all good, solid uh, spotted bass. And so I ended up in practice, and this is kind of a fun part of the story, I – it was 20 minutes before we had to be off the water. I go to turn my motor over. I hear a poof. Oh, 
what the hell was that? Like, and so Nacimento is about three and a half, four hours away from Los Angeles. So I drove up, I got a campsite. I was sleeping in the back of my forerunner at the time. And now I just blew the starter off my, off my motor. Um, my, my buddy was luckily right next to me and he's like, oh my gosh, dude, like we need to get you off the water before they like close the gate and you're stuck on the water. And he tows me back on pad with his skeeter. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Bro, like literally we're going like 40 because we had like I'd got and and so I'm driving my boat trimmed like, <laughs> down. I'm like, bro, like this is so nuts, you know? And like I'm like, I was just surprised it didn't rip the D-ring out of the bow of my boat. But mm-hmm. we get in basically, I'm able to get the boat off the off the off. And the cool thing about the fishing industry and and the fishing family and this is what i always refer to as the fishing family is that people always look out for each other yes and for the most part good people the people that i like to uh, like associate myself with everyone looks out for each other and it's like instantly i have friends that are like i'm like hey dude this is what happened that okay let me make a phone, couple phone calls and me get back to you i had like five guys looking out for me as soon as i got off the water i get a call and it's like hey jared littner's brother is a boat mechanic in uh, San Luis Obispo. He's in two hours, like, or it was like an hour and a half away. If you can be there at eight o'clock in the morning, he'll look at your boat. I was like, bro, done. Thank you so much. I go sleep in the back of my truck, drive to the morning, go get, get, get the boat repaired. The guy aluminum welds my starter back onto my engine block, right? He goes, uh, just, just buy him lunch. I'm like, what, what, like, what, I don't know what you got. He's like, just buy him lunch. I'm like, okay, like, what do you, what do you want? He's like, I don't know. We'll, we'll truck trucks right over there. Just give me like a, a plate lunch. So like I buy him a plate lunch. He's like, yeah. Uh, and, and then 20% of whatever you win, like, as like a joke. Cause I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> got him. So I'm like, Hey dude, thank you so much. He's like, yeah, man, go, go give him hell. Like I know what it's like uh, to, you know, to have to, to, to have this kind of stuff happen. I end up getting fourth place. Right. I end up making a check. I bought a case of beer and I brought it back to him and I, I put it on his desk and he's like, what the hell is this? And I was like, 20%. Away. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I got fourth. And like, I, it, and he's like, wow, like good job. So it was like, I'll never forget that, that favor that he did That's for awesome. me and, and was able. And, and cause honestly, without it, this is the same time that COVID hit. Mm-hmm. So we had now went from a, uh, uh, we had, we went from a, uh, a season that's typically five qualifiers to now three. So the last one, it was now they're going to take the best, uh, their best two out of three. The last one was I was sitting in like, I still like third place for AOI or or something like that. And, and now they were going to go up to clear Lake to go fish the last one. But I had no matter what, if I fished it or not, I was going to make the state team. So, I was unemployed at the time because now Hollywood shut down the whole photo industry shut down. So I wasn't able to do photo gigs. I wasn't able to do anything to to do with Los Angeles. I was on unemployment for the first time in my life. And so I was like, it doesn't make sense for me to drive eight and a half hours up to clear Lake, but like rent a place that are just to get a plaque for AOI. It's not worth it. If all I wanted to do is just make it to regionals. So make it to regionals. And this is this is fun, uh, interesting because we were talking about smallmouth earlier, right? And how mm-hmm. different they are in different places. In Hawaii, there's smallmouth in the streams on Oahu, so you can go hiking through the rainforest and throw a tiny little grub at, in like a half a foot of water and catch like a pound and a half 
smallmouth that you would have never thought would have been living in a little pond. Wow. And so the, the regionals was on Havasu. And in practice, I found out that they're chewing the glide. And uh, I, I basically, I went out with, okay, I know I'm going to throw a jerk bait because it's cold, it's pre-spawn. And then as soon as the sun comes up, I'm going to go gliding and just, just glue it in my hands the rest of the day. Um, this is also another tournament where very few guys were weighing in full limits. There was probably out of a out of the field of 87 anglers, there was less than I think 15 bags that were fully weighed, like uh, 15 15 limits, I should say. Yeah. Um, day one, I came in with eight, uh, I think just shy 18 pounds, and led the tournament. It was the first time that Bass had ever put an article of me up. And you can actually go on bassmaster.com and like go and look back on like in the articles. And I talk about my like my tournament and kind of like this random kid from Hawaii that's that beat a bunch of <laughs> local hammers at Lake Havasu. Um, but like the wind blew day two, so they canceled it. And then so they the, it was the next day. Um, I ended up uh, I ended up catching three fish for nine pounds, which was still, again, more than most people have. I didn't have a limit. Um, but I mean, I, and, and if you guys want to look, go back and actually watch all this stuff, you can go back on my YouTube because I have documented all of it, um, awesome. except for the eight pounder that I caught in Pine Flat. But like the, the whole tournament on Havasu, I have it all documented. Um, and uh, so I ended up blowing out California. Um, I led... I led the, the team by, I think the margin was like 15 pounds or something like that. Um, so I qualified for the nationals. Um, and uh, yeah, so around that same time, I had had one of my best friends that I grew up with in Hawaii commit suicide. Mm -hmm. I, I had uh, Hollywood completely shut down where I, I was literally one of those people that I had to have my brother send me a bag of rice from Washington because there was no there was no food in the grocery stores because everyone was panic buying. I, I was also one of those guys that also didn't have toilet paper. It was, it was kind of oh. funny, like, but like, that was like a thing. I, I was, it was that. And so all I wanted to do was just, just get away. I wanted to get closer to the things that mattered to me because life now was in such this fragile state that, one, it could be taken from you at any time, but two, that some of the closest people in your life, you never know what they're really going through. Mm -hmm. And this, and so, sorry. Um, it's fine, man. You're good, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was literally my best friend growing up. Um, but uh, so I make it to nationals. Um, I, I bought a boat with the money that I had saved up from, um, you know, uh, the, the regional thing I had, because I had a, a forerunner, I was able to get some Toyota bucks. And so this guy that was again, and I don't know what my, <laughs> what my deal is with this, but this guy named Roger, um, who was this ex extremely nice gentleman, he had, he was sick and he's like, Hey, I, he'd taken incredible care of his boat. He had this Triton and he's like, 
I don't want to give this to someone who's just going to like turn around and like basically not use this for what my dream was. And my dream was to go and chase like the tournament thing. Um, so I'll give you a deal, but just promise me that you're going to like go after this with all your heart. And I bought the boat from Roger because I knew I needed to upgrade from my 1990 one working gas tank, which I forgot to mention to you guys. And, um, this, that old boat, Mm -hmm. um, I bought his Triton and a week later he passes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so now I have two boats. I'm starting to do my research for what the Wachita river is like in Louisiana. And my friends are like telling me, I would bring three extra props and one extra lower unit because you're probably going to like end up leaving it on one of the Cypress needles down there. And one of my, my, one of my tournament partners that I was doing outside of the Bass Nation, I was also fishing the ABA. Mm -hmm. I was fishing as many tournaments as I could. I was doing the BBTs. I was doing ABAs, but the Bass Nation was like, was the, 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 the vessel that, that, that brought me to the next level. Right. But so my partner that I was fishing Casitas ABA with this guy named Lance was like, dude, I would not like, look what you did out of your uncle's old boat. Like, look what you've been able to accomplish so far. Like, don't take that new, like that your newer Triton to Louisiana, like go and do it in the old boat. And because in my head, I wanted to go and rig out the new Triton and like bring the Triton down. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? You're right, dude. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And so head down the Wachita River and surprise to my surprise, it 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 reminded me a lot of Lake Wilson in Hawaii, where mm-hmm. you had a lot of laydowns. The water's kind of like kind of stained. And um, uh, my buddy Taylor Smith from up north, you know, was a, incredible angler he beat me at at havasu he so he was the guy that was able to come back and win it so he won regionals and um and he uh i knew that like i wanted to beat him like that he's, was, he's the one yeah like he's the guy to beat and so i i my my other buddy um matt green uh who i was fishing with um like local tournaments in castaic with he goes he's like He's like, remember the stuff that you've learned. Remember all, like, remember all the things that you've taken along this way, and apply it. And don't forget about, you know, your gut feeling and about, you know, even though everyone else is doing cer- certain things and like the doc talk of everything, just like really listen to what your intuition is saying. And day one, this guy named Kobe Carden, who's from Alabama, he ran to the Darbone Spillway and sacked 19 pounds on day one. And this is a fishery where 10 pounds is a solid bag. Yeah. So he had lapped most of the field day one. I think day one, I came in with like 10 and a half or something like that. So my plan was to, just to stay on the main river. One, I couldn't go too far because I only had 14 gallons. Mm. So I had to be real. I was okay. It's either I'm going north, or I'm going south. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go north because I had better bites up there. And I'm just going to just run all this stuff. I was fishing like a, a, a spinnerbait and then also a balsa crank and flipping a jig a little bit. And so I had figured out, um, well, day one, 
I had almost had like by, I think it was, it was one o'clock. I had two fish in the boat. It was, it was about an hour. Wayne was at three, right? So checking was at three. I was like, wow. All right. Well, I drove like 24 hours to get to Louisiana. I guess I'm not fishing like Saturday, you know, (laughs) I was like starting to like let these negative things, like thoughts, like get into my head. And I was just like, you know, it's okay. Just like keep grinding, keep grinding. And at 1.30, I picked up a square bill, and I just start ripping down this bank. And you can go back and watch the video, and it was actually one of my favorite videos that I've ever edited. But I'm, I go to hang up the back treble hook on my on my on my reel because I was like, you know, and I'm uh, time to move or something like that. But I was like, I go to hang it up, and I and I'm just I just clear this one little like this one tree and I see this perfect lane and I'm like, ah, one more cast. I fire over there. I, I, I stick a three pounder, which is like a good one there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh crap. I turn my buddy. I'm like, all right, we're about to bounce some stuff, dude. Like, hold on. He's like, all right. And so throw the best <laughs> on boom, rip down the first thing that I see like that would like kind of remotely set up like that. I pull over forecast, boom, stick a four. And I'm like, oh, okay, I just need one more for a limit. Go down, like fish this one little stretch that I had seen when I was when after blast off. I was like, that ah, just some reason that like looks good. Go in there. I call up two more times and I managed to uh, weigh in like 10 and a half pounds day one. Wow. Day two and then another 10 something. I, I, I actually I kind of forget the, the actual weight. Kobe Carden ran all the way back up there to Darbone and it completely dried out on him. And so I watched him blast by me and then a half an hour later blast by me again. And I was like, Oh, he doesn't got him. Like he's spun right now. <laughs> yep. and, and sure enough, he had like, I think it was like six pounds or something or like four pounds. It was, it was a small bag after weighing 19. And so now going into day three, I was sitting in second place with like a pound and a half under the leader. Um, and uh, just stuck to the game plan. I wanted to, try to catch retreads early because I knew that we were dumping a bunch of fish close by. Um, I managed to catch a three and a half on the first stretch that I, that I wanted to, to fish. And then from there I just started bouncing a bunch of stuff and then fish new water. And uh, yeah, it was like those, well, those feelings where you feel like people are looking out for you that aren't with us anymore. Mm-hmm. It was, I had that feeling that day and um, managed to, uh, put my last fish in the boat at like, I think it was like one thirty or something like that. And um, yeah, I, I encourage you guys to actually go and watch it. it it's a, oh, it's I'm definitely gonna. So I, I watch all your, I watch all your videos, you know, and, uh, and the common theme here as I, I feel like with you is when tragedy creates opportunity, mm-hmm. right? So like you have a lot of tragedy and, you know, and a lot of guys do, but you know, like it's the things that, has happened along the way that sticks in your mind that, that makes you appreciate what you have. And you're like, if that wouldn't have happened, this may not have happened. And so, you know, that that's all we can ask for is right opportunities. And then what we decide to do with them, you know, is on us, but, um, and then you hoisted the trophy, right? Yep. Yep. And that never, was it. Never forget that day. And they asked me, uh, John Stewart, um, asked me on on stage he's like hey man like did you ever think about fishing the elites 
it was such a pipe dream for me. Yeah. That was so crazy, like, like, like lottery style, like remote. Like 25,000 people fish the Bass Nation. 25,000. I'm not making I that number. I know that. That's how many people start off with like fishing just like regional club like from the from the state qualifiers all the like the Bass Nation in Alabama is so massive. And that's just in Alabama. So like the the whole the fact that it, I was able to get past and just rant just like just so happened to make it and it just it worked out. And for him to ask me that on stage, like, would you like, the, would you, would you fish the elites? And I was, I'll, I was like, dude, hell yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. And, and, it, and it's funny because the other guy that made the top three, we ended up fishing the classic that year together. I beat Taylor. Taylor came in. Taylor rallied hard, like on the last day. He had a bag. Like he definitely had a bigger bag than me last day, but because I had, like just the consistent 10 and a half pounds like throughout the the, the derb um yeah that, that was you know uh Jer jared jared miller was the other guy it was taylor, taylor smith and, and jared miller jared miller he's like well i'm glad that you won because uh, i wouldn't go back and fish the elites and i'm like well like way to rain <laughs> like way to rain on my parade bro like good thing you didn't win because i won so <laughs> and so he was actually the first person to tell me like you know like yeah i i wouldn't like i, I did it and but i i'd never do it again and um and so it was it was that was that was pretty, that was interesting to me because at that time I was like, Oh my gosh, like I, I had just accomplished this dream of mine that I never even thought was like remotely achievable. Um, and so of course I was going to take it. I, I told my girlfriend, I was like, you know, like I'm going to fish the lead. She's like, well, you don't have to make any decisions right away. And I was like, no, 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 babe. I, I made the decision. Like I'm going, yeah. you know, <laughs> you and, said, you yeah. said, can I use your dad's truck though? <laughs> yeah, it's a different girlfriend, different girlfriend. I know it's different a different girlfriend. girlfriend. Did, 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 you know, did that girlfriend's dad have a truck? Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, we're actually, we're, yeah, we're still together. And she's, yeah, you guys are filming together and stuff too. Yeah. So I, 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 I bring her, uh, I, I, I try to bring her along and, 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 and feature once in a while she's super shy in front of the camera but um she's been a huge support for me uh and uh i i think that you know like first year she didn't like i think she, she came out to the classic but she didn't come out in the other ones and i'm like look babe like this is such a, a sh this is a um a finite opportunity and it is so difficult to do this alone um, and I don't think a lot of people understand the amount of work that actually goes into it. Uh, it's not only the driving, it's, it's the, it's something as simple as like making lunch or, or having dinner ready, uh, like things that we totally take for granted on any other basis. There's not enough time in the day when you're on the elite tour to like be able to take a, a second to relax. Like it's it, as soon as you you roll into a derb, like it is grind as soon as you land. Like let's say we uh, day one of practices on Monday, as soon as you get on the water on Monday, those three days blast by so fast that they're a complete blur. And a lot of guys will attest to this. They will say that it goes by so quickly 
that you it's you have a difficult time like okay which wait which was days two where did i get that one fish because everything it's like go 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 yeah yeah it's um, all a part of the tournament it's like a giant tournament all the time yeah. huh and so three days straight and we can be on the, the water half an hour before sunrise and then half an hour after the sunset so especially now that's a 15 hour day yeah mm -hmm. and you do that three days in a row and then straight into two days of tournament I remember I, I would go fish the Delta and I would spend like eight hours, 10 hours, you know, for the most part. And I was done after three days, like completely, like I was smoked. My hands were bleeding, like sunburnt, dehydrated, everything. And now the fact that last year I did five tournaments without a break, every single one. Maybe I didn't make day five or day four on them. So I was able to have a one day off, but to go and that's drive. Not, it's that's not really an off day though. No, yeah. it's not. You're driving to the next location. I, the stamina it takes is. I, I want to ask. So when you made the decision and let's, uh, what was that conversation like when you called back home to Hawaii? Uh, my parents actually, they were on a plane um, so they didn't really call, like, I didn't really talk to them until I think it was like hours, 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 hours later. But my brother was listening in on the radio as they were announcing, um, the, the winners of it. I think he had like synced it up, uh, on Bassmaster.com to his radio. And I'll never forget like when I, when I won, I, he, he, he recorded his, uh, his dad, he has his dash cam mm -hmm. and he record, like he was recording and I was like, dude, can you send me like your, you know, like your reaction? And he's just like, nah, nah, man. Like, I'm like, dude, like, you don't know how much, <laughs> like, you don't know how much it will mean to me. And it's like, it wasn't, you, you can't see his face, but you, you can hear it in his voice. And he was in tears and like for, for me to call my brother and like to have this conversation with him. And he's like, he was, he was so supportive because he knew that, um, that I was struggling in Los Angeles. Like I was having like not a good time. Like I, it was, it was super, super tough. Um, and so I was looking for a way out. And he's like, dude, look, look what you've done. Like, look, like everything that you've been talking about, everything that you've been dreaming of, like you, you, you willed it to happen, man. You made it happen. Like, like take that step, dude. Like, I'm so happy. I'm so proud of you. And, and, um, and it, so it was, it was more so my, to, to talk to my girlfriend and then to talk to my brother was, was the the most like impactful moments that 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 bring the most like memory to me, and then the rest is just like basically just floods of podcasts. I, I got on like a couple news stations in Hawaii. Um, it and it and I, I try to highlight a lot of that in, in on that episode. Um, but uh, that was it. Everything around the nationals just it, it has a lot of there's a lot of emotion there for me yeah. because it's it was such a pivot it changed my life yeah mm -hmm. it absolutely changed my life and and whether you know i stop tournament fishing you know tomorrow that that moment 
I will have for forever. Yeah. And, and, uh, and no one can ever take that away from me. And it, and it shows me and it proves to me that anything is possible. That as long as you have the right head in it and you have like faith in yourself and you know, whatever you believe in it, that you can, you can, you can do it. And, uh, no matter how much the odds may be stacked against you, that there's still a chance. And so that was, that's why it's like a, a really, really impactful, um, time for me, but no, I'm dude, we can, we can, we can, I can feel the emotion, yeah. right. When it comes to, uh, you know, people, people are like, Oh, why are you so emotional? Well, it's cause I care, you know? And, and, and I think a lot of times as humans, like we forget, to, to bring humility to, to what we do and, and actually do some, uh, do some reflection and think about the things that, that were so all those milestones that we reached in our life, like leading up a lot of times it, it just becomes a blur, man. The, the, the past becomes a blur and you kind of forget. And it's a good thing to retain, you know, those milestones in your life because those are the things that make you grateful. Um, it's also big to hear. Yeah. Like it's important for people to hear how much work actually goes into it because you always hear when you're doing things, anything in the outdoor space where people want to be, and a lot of it's jealousy. They're like, "Oh, you're so lucky." Oh, you're, there's way more than luck that goes into like where you get in the anywhere in the out anywhere in life. Like, yeah, it's, it's you don't nobody's just handing you anything. Like you spent all that time on the delta when when you decide to get back into fishing and you knew you need to learn clear water. Like like you took your time to learn all that stuff and every minute available you spent doing that and and all of that culminated and it, and for you in a fairly short period of time like you started bass fishing you did bass fish as a kid yeah and then you kind of got away from it and then all of a sudden that bug hits again oh, and you just freak, i can't even imagine that much water you spent how much time you spent what, on the water what year oh, did you get did you get that first boat? <laughs> what was that what year again did you get that boat first boat 2016 the right the right uh, yeah 2016 so, so four four years you go from getting your first you know boat to one of the nations and then taking that boat with an aluminum welded starter <laughs> yeah. to one louisiana with louisiana correct yeah louisiana knowing yeah. that your capacity was 14 gallons of gas um dude it's like same you, electronics but yeah. like you you assumed a lot of risk but had a lot of faith you know what I mean? Like in, in, in yourself and understanding like, Hey, my intuition is going to play a role in this. You know, why change now? Why bring something new and shiny to the game when something maybe old and seasoned is going to get me to where I need to be because it's already gotten me there. Right. Yeah. And so that's, that's important. And probably some of the best advice that, you know, uh, your buddy ever gave you, you know? you know, and your story's fresh, like the technology was there, but it just proves like, no matter how much technology in the world, instinct can still win. Like you don't 100%. have to have, we hear it all the time. Like people ask us and obviously on the media side of things, you get all the time. Like, what do you think about forward facing sonar? What do you think about this? Oh, they should ban it. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you don't need it to win. Like no. there's plenty of guys that go out there and win and make a living and don't have it. And, and they do well. Uh, yeah. It's, it's refreshing to hear that. And, and to, for people to know, like that technology was there when he won this and he did it with, uh, without it. Like yep. didn't need it. And like you said, you know, I, I timestamped it because I think it's important. Trust your instincts. And that's what you did. Like you got a bite and you said, Oh, I got this figured out. And all of a sudden you call up on the, on day one and end up with a, you know, good bag and we're able to follow it up over three days. And 
it got you, you know, got you to where you are today. So it's, it's refreshing to hear that, that, that still, you know, people are still doing that because we hear so much about, uh, so much negativity about technology and everything like that, just to hear yeah. that it can be done without it. Like is, is important for people to hear that. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, you know, the, and it is a touchy subject, I think for a lot of people. Um, but I, I think ultimately all I want to do is encourage people to just get out and go fish. Like, sure. Whether you're, you're doing it from a kayak or from the bank or, you know, a stand up paddleboard or even a canoe, you know, mm-hmm. if you're going to go out and just spend time on the water and that's it. And if your goal is to tournament fish, then great hustle, learn, learn from as many people as you can jump on the boat with as many people as you possibly can. Because yeah, maybe if the guy that isn't good at skipping docks, it, you know, you can't learn like how to skip a dock with, with that person, he might be able to teach you how to finesse a worm down a 50 foot and you learn something completely different. So absolutely. So I think that there's something to learn from, from everyone. And I think as, as a kid, I've, I've always been a student of the sport and I think I will, I will forever mm-hmm. be a student. Um, and I think that that's something that we have to keep reminding ourselves because that no matter what level you get, you're still able to learn. And absolutely, uh, I think when you lose is when you feel like you know everything. Dude, that was a perfect uh, like that's a perfect quote, dude. Like you're a student of the sport. Um, that keeps you humble, right? Yeah. Like you don't yeah. know, you don't know everything. And, um, you've had a hell of a journey, dude, uh, all the way from coming from, you know, Hawaii, moving to Los Angeles where it's always sunny in 75. Uh, but wasn't, what is it? Wasn't easy in LA. Um, and I can't imagine it being that way. Uh, and then you moved your way up relatively quickly, but it was a long journey, you know, going all the way to nationals um, and using Uncle Bob's boat, right? Uncle Bob's boat, correct? Yep. Uh, with an aluminum welded starter with 14 gallons of gas, like <laughs> no electronics essentially, but, you know, just using your natural instincts and the things that you learned um, all the way up to really to, to bring you to where you are today. Um sometimes grass isn't always greener on the other side. A lot of people say that, but, um, and, and, and one of the things I wanted to do was ask you, um, you guys have a couple tournaments. Is it two or three tournaments left? Correct. Yeah, we have two left. We have uh, Champlain starting next week, Monday is first day of practice. And then back to back with the St. Lawrence river. Are we already that? Yeah. We're already that far in August. Dude. It's kind of like Maddie said, like, practice and then tournament starts it's all like lumped up in one you know and uh you know covid really covid really affected uh, it's still affecting right there's still secondary effects of covid it really threw off a lot of people for for a long period of time and it still is um but you you had trials and tribulations through the covid era and you know a lot you lost a lot of uh, uh critical people in your life a lot of key important people in your life and that's kind of like what I said earlier, you know, tragedy created opportunity for you. Um, and man, you've, you've had one hell of a journey and we want to talk about, uh, the last two years of your elite series, but we want to do it at the end of your last event. You think that'd be possible? Yeah. We get you to come back on. We get you to come back on. Yeah. 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 Cause I know we're probably like, uh, (laughs) making this a little bit of a lengthy one. No, no, no. That's not why. 
but what we wanted to dive into that, but the conversation has been so great, you know, yeah. as the journey has continued. So yeah. it kind of gives us an opportunity to talk about, you know, 24, I guess you'd call it 24 solid months on the Bassmaster Elite Series. Um, talk about your classic, like fishing that, all, all of that, I think would be good to, because oh when, when I, I don't want to try to cram it all into, uh, yeah, no, into for the sure. end of this, you know what I mean? Because, I dude, think honestly, cool. we, we can talk, I, you guys are so chill, man. I, I can see like talking to you guys for a few more hours. So, um, we could yeah, definitely do that. I, I'd love to do that. Um, I'm, I, I think I'll probably be back in Hawaii when we do it. Okay. That's cool. So That's I might awesome. Have to I might have to be in a Aloha shirt too. I mean, if, if we push it out to November, November, I'll do a puddle jump over and do it live with them. Dude, <laughs> hey, I got, I got, some, I got some, some really good friends that I'd like you to, to meet when you get back home too. If, uh, if they're on the same island and stuff, but I do want to ask. Right, we yep. had a very, very serious journey conversation and stuff. Uh huh. Dude, who did you get to work with in L.A.? Oh God. <laughs> We got any NDAs? It's okay. We understand. Yeah, if you have a, a non-disclosure agreement, totally. Good. No, my, no, my NDAs have been like all done, so I'm gonna let it fly. Now I uh, <laughs> send it, Maddie. Send it full send. Uh, I mean, a, a lot, dude. Um, everyone from like, oh, gee, like the the Rock, Kevin Hart, Bieber, um, uh, David Spade. Uh, Reese Witherspoon, um, Anne Hathaway, like, and that's just like, like Cardi B, like Megan Thee Stallion before she like, it just, yeah, that's and wild. and yeah, a, a lot. Uh, I I've shot Ariana Grande basically naked. Um, yeah, I've I I yeah, I've done a lot. <laughs> so yeah. did did, did now, you did you go to school? You went to school for all that, right? So I, I went to film school and then I dropped out of film school. Okay. Um, and then I fell into the photo world, started assisting, worked my way up from a fourth assistant all the way to a first, became a lighting director, and then started um, shooting my own campaigns as a photographer, and then high, just only lighting for uh, high-end commercial clients. So okay. I lit... Four, three or four seasons of Lip Sync Battle. Um, oh, yeah. I remember dude. that show. Yeah. I love that. Remember, like, the intro with, like, Jimmy Fallon, like, doing a spin kick and all, like, and, like, yeah. it was all, it's, like, all GIFs, like, stop animation. Yeah. So, like, yeah like, we shot all that. That's awesome. That's cool. So, uh, what is your, if there was one thing you could think of, what is the funniest story you had from Hollywood? Oh, God. <laughs> put, put, while, while you think of that i got a follow-up question before we get too far because you said you shot the rock you might you got to get him on the boat man yeah he bass fishes doesn't he yeah he, yeah, he got he that pond down there he's fishing like you might try I, to get it's, on, it's the rock on the boat, yeah. yeah like i don't i i could probably hit up one of my old clients to see like if there if i can make that connection i also i went to high school with his niece um but yeah i don't know it'd be funny i, I again i just I don't know. It's the celebrity world is interesting. Yeah, I have no doubt. I uh, I used to be David Beckham, uh, like David Beckham's family's surf coach. Oh, okay. Uh, so I did like celebrity surf coaching for a bit, um, and then uh, I don't know. It's 
I would. That would be fun, though. I mean, we'd. It would be a good time. I. I think. Yeah. Oh man, Dude, there's a lot. Well, while you're thinking about it, and you don't have to say it now. Yeah. But you, you, you went from doing photography in LA Glitz, with celebrities, glitz and glam, to now yeah. you're the one that's getting the pictures taken. You're the one that's standing on the stage. Does does it feel the same? Do you think that your position feels the same as their celebrity no. world? Well, it, it's interesting, right? Because then I moved to LA because I was in the entertainment industry. You know, like I, yep. I, I was on national television. I used to be the, the voice of Pizza Hut and Taco Bell in Hawaii. You know, I used to do theater as a kid. I played saxophone in front of thousands of people. Like I, I'm not, I'm not, it's not like I'm not used to being in front of the camera in front of people. But when I went to Hollywood, I learned to humble, like I had to humble myself. One, I had to be completely crushed, right? Because that was a huge learning experience because when I was in Hawaii, I was this big fish in a small pond. Like I, I thought that, you know, you, you, you just like as like a young 20 year, like 20 something year old, you just think one, you're invincible two that you're the shit. And like yeah. everything else is like, you're, <laughs> it's just, and so I needed to move to LA to get completely crushed. And it's either you get crushed and then you run back home with your tail between your legs or you get crushed and you regrow into this new being, which is just more humble and you've now learned. And so I have learned now that like, what, what are the things about celebrities and, and things that I, I enjoyed when working with few of them? And then the, the other certain celebrities that I worked with that I was like, you're a huge steaming pile of crap that I wish that didn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I work by the, the three strike rule. And if a celebrity was trashed to me three times, that was three different days that they had a, a perfectly fine opportunity, but to, to be able to show me that they weren't a, a trash human at, at, at the core. Yeah. Um, and, uh, because I, I, I think a lot of times people don't realize that when they meet someone, they're like, man, I met David Spade. He was like a complete jerk. And like, he didn't give me a time of day, da, 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 wah, you know, or it's like, I met like so-and-so, you know, I met this angler or I met this guy on tour and he was like a complete yank because of that. And it's like, okay, you don't know what that person went through out in the, that day. Yeah. You have no clue what that person's going through in their life mm -hmm. until they're a jerk to you three different times on three different occasions. And then they're probably a jerk. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. It and becomes so a pattern. If it's, yeah. If that person's just like a, just an unapproachable, like not friendly person to talk to. And trust me, there's a lot of guys on tour like this and it's this, it, and that's just the truth. And I'm going to be completely honest. And there's guys that look at me and like nose up me all the time. And then there's a, there's a term in Hawaii called high maka maka. It means your, your eyes go high. And it's like, because your, 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 your crap don't stink. And it's like, yeah. for me, I don't care. I am not in a place where I need to go and try to placate and, or like, you know, like make that are like, I'm in a place where I know who I am. If there's good people out there, I know I gravitate towards good people and all the good people on tour. Guess what? I'm friends with them. Mm -hmm. Everyone else, I don't care about. I've had to learn that 
and it's something that is very tough. I'm also the person that I wave at everyone. If you if you drive by my boat, I'm gonna wave at you. I'm gonna throw a shock or I'm gonna wave. And that's just who I am. And I can't like it and and <laughs> I was talking to Kenta about this last week. And he's like, You are the only one that waves. He <laughs> goes, <laughs> <laughs> no one else. Like, and literally there's very few people that, that actually wave at you. And it's so yeah. it's so sad how cutthroat the elites are to the point where they've lost their like a general like human just human interaction um yeah. of, of being able to like hey we're living a sweet life what's up Rob? Yeah. like okay like hey dude like i don't i don't you know what i mean like we could i could not be catching anything so one of the guys rips by me i'm gonna just i'm always gonna wave and and still to this day and so i i, I think that um I've learned a lot from Hollywood. I learned a lot from celebrities. I learned a lot on the person that I want to be and who I want to be to others. And I learned a lot about who I don't want to be and how, and I don't want to be perceived. So I think that's a great message to the, um, you know, to, to our youth that are watching these YouTube videos are watching these lives are, you know, scrolling through social media, you know, you don't have to emulate someone else uh, to be successful. Um, and, and I think that is one of the biggest concerns that I have. And, and this is going, we don't, I don't want to go off in this tangent, but the bottom line is, is you have surrounded yourself from, from your story, from starting all the way to where you're at with really good people. Of course, there's jerks along the way. Um, yeah. but those are the people that matter. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's being a good steward of the profession, uh, because at the end of the day, you are in the entertainment industry. Yeah. You're a fierce competitor. Uh, but you are also someone's role model, whether you know it or not. You are a figurehead uh, at the national level of, of, of top competitive bass fishing. Um, and so to be a good steward of the profession, you should conduct yourself in a way that is human and show sympathy and empathy and all that stuff. So, you know, it's uh, everyone's different, though. We're all cut from that different cloth. You know what I mean? I, I think so, what's great, Matty, and getting to talk to you and know you a little bit here over the last couple hours like there I've been around the outdoor industry and around enough folks uh, from Bill Jordan and all those big guys on the hunting side of things to, to guys on the fishing side, you know, KVD and Jimmy Houston and getting to see all those legends and people. And yeah. there is a very, very, there's, there's people that put that facade on when they're on the stage mm-hmm. and they're talking about talking to the people yeah. And then they go to the show and everybody that walks up to him, it's like, it's a chore to have to say hi or <laughs> sign a little kid's hat. Yeah. Just, just talking to you. Like you're definitely not in, you're not one of those guys. Like you're, you're going to be who you are. You're going to be how you were raised. Uh, and, and I don't think there's enough of that in professional fishing as a whole or fishing as a whole at any level. Facts. Yeah. Uh, people just aren't, they aren't courteous. They aren't kind. They're they're mean to each other on the water. Their social media. Social media is the worst thing in the world. Like, <laughs> I hate it. I wish it it wasn't around. And I think that has some impact when you talk about how yeah. how anglers are to one another. Like, yeah. I think there's some impact from the way social media is because it's almost like you post an informational video or something, and immediately you feel like you're on the defensive because somebody's coming in telling you what an idiot you are. You're tying the wrong knot or why are you using that line? Why did you have the camera at that angle? Like 
So it's like social media has, has groomed people to almost put other people off because it's like they're expecting some type of negative, negative interaction. It's yeah. just easier to not interact. And it's not when you actually open up and talk to people like that's not really how it is. The, no. I'll, the last thing I'll say on this is I don't care what you could be a hundred and fourth. It doesn't mean that the first place person is the one I want to drink a beer with. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't mean that. So that, that cool. carries no weight, man. Yeah. No, it's, I appreciate that guys. You know, um, I think, uh, for me, like I said earlier, and I think I even said in our, our pre-call was like, I, I, I grew up in a place where re- respect is, is something that it, it's everything. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I, I have everyone's respect until you lose it. And, and it doesn't matter, you know, if you're a guy that's approaching me at a gas station that isn't wearing slippers and, but is just stoked to see the boat. Like I'm still going to give that guy like a little bit of my time um, as much as the, the, the seven-year-old kid that, that comes up to me boy or girl with a, with a hat and a Sharpie with like a nervous smile on their face wanting to talk to me. Like yeah. mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, those are the things the, the, the you never know what that 30 seconds of time or what the two minutes of time can do to someone and, and how that can help shape them. And uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, like, you know, whether or not I'm tournament fishing was like a, definitely a dream of mine to, to, to accomplish, but something that else that I've always wanted to do my entire life ever since I was a little kid was have my own fishing show. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and it's a culmination of one, being an entertainer, two, being an outdoorsman and three, now having the experience behind my back. I think I can be able to fulfill that dream hopefully and to be able to encourage people to just to be outside spend time with their loved ones and then also be able to enjoy the outdoors and and learn something right and to learn something from everyone because there's something that we can learn from 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 the the guy that's living in a shack down like the bayou in louisiana to someone who's like fishing for perch in italy you know there's some there's something to learn from someone uh and there's no matter what, there's a thread that runs through all of our veins that's consistent is we all love the sport and we that's are right. obsessed with it. Hearing that about the show, like that was always a dream of mine as a kid, like yeah. growing up my whole life watching Bill dance and, and yeah. Hank Parker and all those guys. Like that's what I want to do. I didn't care about fishing a tournament. I didn't yeah. care about like I wanted to have a show because they brought it to my living room. Like, I sat there yeah. with my dad and ate cereal on Saturday morning. If we weren't fishing yeah. or out doing something like and watch these guys yeah. fish. And yeah. it's crazy because I'm not super close with my aunts. If y'all watch this, I'm sorry. I'm not close with you. Just family stuff. You know how that is. But <laughs> still love you, but yeah, family stuff, you know. But my yeah. grandfather passed away um like two years ago. We're actually right before we we started recording the show. So he died like in September. And then I think we started recording in December and put out our first episode in January. And one of my aunts who I'm not close with, like just randomly out of nowhere, hit like called me crying. And she's like, you finally, like you always talked about, I remember you were four years old running around talking about how you're going to have your, your fishing show. And now you're on my YouTube on TV and you're talking <laughs> about fishing. And it's kind of like, I, we're not doing ultimately what I wanted to do, but in a way, like I never yeah. thought about that. Like it is something that I always want to do. Now we have an opportunity and we're trying to build that platform. We're like, we just want people to get out fishing, man. Like bank, kayak, 
if you're fishing, if you're fly fishing for what'd you call them, dumpster dolphins in the in yeah. LA River, or you know, you have a hundred and fifty thousand dollar bass boat and you're screaming down the lake, chase like we want to yeah. we want everybody to be able to go out and enjoy it and to learn and, and to be open and share share information because like you said, everybody's constantly learning. Yeah. We're not all born with with the knowledge of knowing everything. Uh, even when you get to the highest level, you still don't know everything. Like, yeah, it's just it's it's refreshing to talk to somebody who who's like one of us, I guess, is what I'm Facts, dude. Like you define like it, the person you are goes with the saying that we talked about. And Pete said it like we're trying to create a culture of anglers helping anglers one cast at a time. And that's really, and that's really what it's all about, you know, and, uh, there's no room in our, there's no room in our, what's that? Sorry, dude. That's, that's crazy that you said that just because, so, um, I, my, my, some of my closest friends that I grew up with in Hawaii, uh, where the, 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 like the, the slogan that we have or our tagline is, um, you know, like, uh, friends pushing each other to level up one frame at a time. There you oh, go. Yeah, yeah. Because we were, because we we're filmmakers, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, we, and we all keep each other accountable. And so the fact that you, you know, you said the, the one cast at a time thing, like it all tied in and it's, it's serendipitous in a way because it's, it's so true, man. Like I think, I think it's, uh, we can all learn something from each other and we can all be inspired by each other. And, uh, and especially if someone's not in a, in the best place mentally too, or in a place yeah. in their life. That we can also uh, assist them in however way that we can, because uh, yeah, life's life's too short to do something you don't want to be doing, right? Yeah, and uh, absolutely. I, I think people. It's funny when I hear people saying like, "Man, you you live in the dream, man," and I'm like, <laughs> "You can be living the dream too." Like it doesn't just because this is seemingly the dream. Like, why aren't you doing something that you're truly passionate in? You know, yeah. is it because of the social conformities of like, okay, I have to have this because I want people to look at me this way, or I want, I need to have this because of X, Y, and Z. It's like, no, man, like what truly makes you happy? Like I was talking to Taku about this. I'm like, Taku, what are you going to do after bass fishing? And he's like, uh, I want to be a killer bee exterminator. What? Yeah. Uh -huh. oh. True story. Interesting. Yeah. Well, they got a lot. He's talking about back in Japan, right? Yeah, bunch of killer bees in Japan. Like that's they got what he, some giant ones over there. Yeah, they get those big murder hornets. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's like the actual murder hornet is in Japan, but it's like something like I'm like, you know what? And who am I to say that that's something that's silly? I'm like, Taco, no, you, go out, you go out there and slay as many killer bees as you can, my guy. <laughs> it's actually you know? a pretty badass gig if you think about it. Yeah. yeah. And so you're I like mean, a you're professional going, murderer. I, I hope they have a flamethrower. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine Taco with a flamethrower just out there smoking killer bees? Now Dude, I want to record like, talk, that. Taco is the, the guy that will be out like casting at Hornet's Nest when we're out of the <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like, I hope he has like 15 EpiPens. Yeah. Like whenever I see a hornet, like a bee's nest or like a hive or something, I always like film it and I'm like, hey, Taku. <laughs> but no, but like in all seriousness, man, like it, it doesn't matter what you like, what would make you happy at, at the end of the day, it's, it's yourself. And it's not about making yeah. other, you know, but, and, and, and other times like 
maybe it is your purpose or what you want to do is make or make other people happy or encourage other people to do certain things. Then there's also nothing wrong with that too. Right. So I, always- I think it's cool. Like your dreams, you talk about chase them and like your dreams can change. Like you dreamed yeah. about being a filmmaker. Then you got the, the bass bug and you dream, you chase that pipe dream. Like, no, I want to do this. And you went and did it. And now it's like, if this doesn't work out, I, my dream still remains of, you know, doing this TV show and you're, you know, I've watched your newer stuff uh, on YouTube. I need to go back and watch the nation stuff. Cause that sounds awesome. But, yeah. um, you know, you put together a high, you know, high quality film and, and it, it, it looks good. It's shot good. It's you, you obviously know what you're doing. So, um, looking uh, thanks, forward man. to looking forward to if it goes that way, like tuning in, yeah, with my, yeah, maybe my like, kid someday and watching Maddie Wong and be like, I talked to that dude on a podcast one time. <laughs> <laughs> we actually oh, virtually drank a beer together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, obviously I'd love to, I want to have a beer with you guys in person. You know, I would love to do this again. Um, I definitely really enjoyed talking with you guys. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, what I do right now, I feel is my bare minimum um on my youtube i i obviously wish i was able to shoot with a 4k camera i wish i was able to, to hire an operator i wish i was able to hire an editor to do this but i'm literally shooting it all on my iphone shooting it yeah. with gopros and i'm editing it all myself yeah. um and so i for time, me it's sorry go oh i was going to say the time commitment to go that on top of all your fishing and preparation i mean i've it's, done a few youtube videos and i I'm no film school dropout. Like I have like no expertise of that. And so like, it obviously takes me a long time, but yeah. I, I know folks who do editing for different projects stuff and they're way faster, but like it's time consuming. Like, and you're adding that. I mean, you almost have to in today's day and age, but you're adding that all by yourself up on top, you know, on top of your, all your fishing pressure, which is, it's we appreciate work. you doing it. Cause then we get to watch the content. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, I try to bring people. I mean, if you guys haven't, I guess we'll. I can start diving into plugging the the socials. And yeah, whatnot. Dude. yeah, let's yeah, do yeah, it, man. Yeah, let's do it. If you guys haven't checked it out yet, I mean, it is something that for me, it's kind of a an ongoing video um, diary, if you will. Um, I try to be uh, as real as I am um, in the moments where you know, if I'm not feeling it, then I'm I'm not feeling it, and and to the to the highest of the highs. Um, and I, I try to bring the viewer along with that and try also to be pretty transparent on, on what I'm doing for the most part. I mean, there's certain things that I, I won't spell out, um, but there's a lot of stuff that I feel like a lot of people can learn um, and use as a learning tool. And if not, um, at least just be entertained by a story that I try to tell um, with it. So uh, on YouTube, it's Maddie Wong Fishing. And... Uh, it's basically the same for all the way across, you know, the Facebook page, Maddie Wong Fishing, TikTok, which I'm, I lag on, but trying to get better at it. That's same Maddie Wong Fishing. And then uh, on, on Instagram, it's Maddie underscore Wong. And then um, I also run, which was my business before um, I, I was doing a, a content creation for uh, basically elevated imagery of bass and of lures. Um, and that's called capture fish. And so that was, uh, actually how my relationship with mega bass started back in 2018. So it's, um, it's, it's kind of interesting on how people come in your life and you meet certain people and, and everything kind of is meant to be where it needs to be. And it, everything works together, um, in this kind of like 
weird serendipitous way i feel personally um and uh yeah it's all kind of led me to where i am now um and i'm super humbled uh super grateful for it and um basically got to catch the snot out of them the last these last two events um to stay on tour because um yeah i think it's all like the top 70 advance um but then you also have like the the legends exemptions which take away a lot and then the guys that have been on tour for five years or more they can drop a their worst year so if it uh if it's in the cards i requalify uh and if it's not then i get to you know put my energy towards um you know an, another dream of mine and uh i always I, all i can say is i just encourage people to go out there and do do what you really what makes you happy absolutely dude we appreciate those uh those words of wisdom especially to uh well us first of all because uh, we all have dreams as well um and and to all of our viewers and i know they're going to appreciate that and then, listen this is just part one we we will not leave this unattended uh, because we want to talk to you after the last event up north um, yeah so we really appreciate your time please hang out real quick we're going to put you on standby for sure and uh, we'll have a conversation after that uh, so real quick before i do that you want to plug uh sponsors because i know you can't yeah. do it on your own yeah. self-funded i want to make sure you get a chance to shout all them out no thank you man no i really appreciate that um I mean, for one, uh, one of the first texts that I got after I won nationals was from Mega Bass, and uh, I literally got a text uh, saying, uh, "When the dust settles, we're in your corner." So I, 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 I really, really appreciate Mega Bass and the support that they've given me, um, and uh, just the ability to be able to fish some of the most finest products that are, you know, available on the market. And I and I say that with with 100% full confidence. Um, that from their rods down to their their baits. I mean, everyone knows their jerk bait, but like being able to fish all their their rods this the past two years, it's I've I've I feel certain things now that I wasn't able to pick up on before. Um, and so uh, huge shout out to Mega Bass. Um, other other companies uh, that I'll go down. Um, we got Mer American Bait Works is a, another incredible sponsor of mine um and they're the guys that do uh bait fuel and uh freedom jigs so huge shout out to american bait works uh yeti uh they've been a huge support uh to me as well and their product speaks for themselves uh olukai which is an incredible footwear brand you know uh the slippers i call them slippers everyone calls, calls them flip-flops but that's what i grew up with oh. <laughs> in Hawaii, we call them slippers. It's your, it's your slippers. So uh, they make the best slippers in the world. So I sh huge shout out to Olukai. Um, Sims, um, they're, I mean, they're, I, honestly, I think they're, they're the best in, 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 in the industry. Uh, their performance outerwear is second to none. So huge shout out to Sims for their support. Uh, Gamakatsu and Sunline, um, just Again, like I've been a fan of their their brand for a really long time, and so it, I was a, I was actually Sunline's first rep in Hawaii when I was nineteen. That's uh, awesome. So it's kind of funny on how it all kind of came full circle there. The hookup tackle uh, Ben and the crew out in Arizona; uh, those guys are incredible. Um, probably the biggest selection of JDM and Japanese baits that you can buy. Also, they they have the largest selection of Mega Bass stuff um, out of any distributor in the states. Uh, powerhouse lithium um 
the crew, RJ and, uh, and, and Bob over there, you know, they, they're a small team, but they, they make an incredible product. And, uh, I think what they're able to do, um, with, uh, being the first to be able to offer a lifetime warranty on a lithium battery is pretty awesome. Um, and I also got a bunch of codes that you guys can go and check out on the, on the YouTube, uh, that will give you kind of like perks for a bunch of these things as well. Electric sunglasses, uh, is another one. Um, I mean, I don't, my eyes don't fatigue. I always wear them. They're super light and they're incredibly great when it comes to sun protection on the side of your eyes. So I, a huge shout out to electric. Um, and then lateral vision, uh, the clothing line that basically helped fund this thing. Um, they, uh, they're the ones who, uh, you know, supported me just as much as mega bass. Uh, and, and being a very, very, very small company out of, out of Southern California, um, the fact that they were able to support me for the past year and a half, um, almost two years is, is incredible. Um, and, uh, and so if you guys want to support me directly, if you go on, they're still hosting um, my capsule. So uh, basically all of, the, all of the profits go to supporting me on the road. Uh, so if you go to lateralvisionbrand.com and then you just type in Maddie Wong, uh, you'll see a whole uh, collection of clothing that I helped design with them. And uh, it, it literally directly affects me and helps put um, gas in my truck and boat and food on my table. So that, that, that means a lot. Um, and then, uh, yeah, basically, I mean, Vertra and the kind, and then Bastrix uh, is, an, is another great, great brand out of Ventura. Um, Brian, the owner over there at Bastrix, uh, has worked with me to to make my own custom colors. So huge shout out to Brian. He's he's the man. And um, you know, the kind and Virtua being a, a local surf brand originally, now based out of California. Um, it's just kind of a, a interesting synergy on being able to partner with brands that I would I've been a fan of one ever since I was a little kid. And so it's kind of like it gives me in Hawaii again. I I just realized that this isn't like just a white thing but it's like uh chick we, could, we call it chicken skin but i guess yeah, it was like, like goose what is goose it bumps or chill bumps, bumps. Goose, yeah yeah goosebumps so in hawaii we call it chicken skin <laughs> but that's fair <laughs> but yeah it, it gives me chicken skin to think about it because um you know i i i used to watch this guy as a as a kid and, and i i met him when i was i was i think i was five years old um his name was mike sakamoto and uh, he he had a local fishing show called Let's Go uh, uh, Fishing Tales. Sorry, Fishing Tales with Mike Sakamoto. And uh, I remember he took his time out to talk to me, and he signed a like literally like one of like those fans that cool you off. Yeah. And, yeah. And a Polaroid photo of me and him, and uh, he signed it. And I still have that fan somewhere because I would watch Mike Sakamoto with my dad every single weekend uh, along with like Bill dance and stuff like that. And so to see him with his Jersey, with all these sponsored brands on, I was like, man, one day that would be the ultimate to be able to partner with these brands that I've like always been like the hugest fan of. And so I feel like I've arrived at this place where I am like incredibly humbled and incredibly grateful that I get to help represent these brands. So if it wasn't for all these guys to, to the, the helping me, um, I, it, I literally wouldn't be possible because it, it costs about a hundred thousand dollars to do the tour. Um, yeah, yeah. 
So, yeah. And then uh, obviously, um, and, and last but not very least is all <laughs> is all the people that support me. And, and that's, and that's my fans and that's my family and that's my friends. Um, and, uh, and, and I'd I like to think that most of my fans know that if you guys ever have any questions or are interested in anything, feel free to reach out to me. Um, whether it's a DM on Instagram or, or on a message on Facebook, I always try to answer. Um, and if it slips by, um, I, I always try to make sure to do diligence to go back and, and, and answer everyone. Um, because I feel like everyone deserves uh, a moment of, of time, and uh, I never know what that little moment can can help with someone. So, dude, Matty Wong, for those who are listening, that's absolutely true. We sent him a DM on Instagram from a from a private account, not a business account, and he answered. And that's why he's on the show. Um, please hang out afterwards, man. You've definitely given the uh, the one cast some chicken skin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We appreciate appreciate that brutal honesty and and your journey along the way. And and like we said, man, a lot of opportunities created and, uh, and it wasn't, uh, from, uh, from any lack of trying because you're definitely where, uh, where we want to see you right now. And and hopefully that you have a bright future and we're going to revisit this. This is part one. Um, and we appreciate everyone uh, listening to this episode. Ben, anything? I'm actually not going to put him on standby. So Ben, if you have anything and then I got, I'll close her out. Uh, I learned a couple new things, chicken skin, and I've got my slippers. Got, we got our slippers yeah. and our chicken skin. Yeah. And, and your shirt isn't a, a Hawaiian shirt. We In Hawaii, we call them aloha shirts. Aloha so, shirt. I, That's I right. promise when you That's come back right. for part two, I'll have an aloha shirt. I'll <laughs> feel, feel left guys. out. I feel left out. <laughs> but, no, Maddie, we appreciate you coming on. Everybody listening, everything he just talked about, as far as his socials, I'll have a link down below in the description. Make sure you go like, comment, subscribe, follow along with Maddie. Like you said, ask him any questions you might have. I'll also post a link. Uh, I'll directly go in and search his clothing line, and I'll put that right in there. So if you want to buy a shirt, hat, I don't know what all he's helped design, but I'm going to go buy some tonight when I, before I go to bed because uh, I've always been a Maddie Wong fan since you made it. But now that I know you and the type of person you are, like you just elevated yourself even higher on that respect scale. So appreciate you coming on. Appreciate everybody listening as always. Uh, like, comment, review on the on the podcast. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, and help us continue to grow a community of anglers, helping anglers one cast at a time. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, son. It's a f***ing dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow. feel like it's going to be a bad day.